Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League Rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. And we are back for another round of the fifth and last NRL podcast and box set. Only two rounds remain in the regular NRL season. The top two have kicked away, as we'd assume for the most part of the year. Souths have now find themselves in a logjam with the Raiders and also Manly, who beat them for the second time on this weekend, all locked on 30, fighting for those last two top four spots. Parramatta, with that loss, probably ruled themselves out of a top four spot, but it'll be guaranteed a home final in fifth or sixth. And then we've got seventh and eighth. Still to be played for. Cronulla obviously pushed themselves back in this week. Brisbane with that odd point hold in. And Penrith have kind of fallen away on their Queensland trip the last two weeks while the Tigers looked all but gone with their hooker situation, had a blowout win on the weekend. So mm. plenty going on still. It's hard to know what to make of that form now after, I guess, the fallout from Newcastle end. So, uh, but the Tigers, yeah, they put themselves back in the picture. Penrith, Jesus, they've just... Self-combusted, haven't they? Similar to Newcastle, they they sort of started off really slow and then kicked up for that middle part. Again, who knows how much of that was fake form through you know the origin period, uh, and then they've just fallen away, haven't they? In the crunch games, and when they've played quality opposition, they've really been found wanting. They've struggled to win away from home. All those little things that you need to see to to know that a team's a genuine premiership threat. And you know, I dare say, if if they do miss the finals, and it looks as though they will, that. You know, I don't think Ivan will be under pressure. He'll, he'll certainly cop some scrutiny, but it, you know, they start slow next year. He's going to be under some pressure, that's for sure. Well, given the fact they've also turned over the amount of players they did, and again, I, you have to give him some leeway. I think this year, I know, given the way he went to the club, he won't be given that leeway. But given the fact that he took over at a club with a guy that fired him, fired another coach, some people that he thought were probably going to undermine the process and all the off-season drama. Um, as well as the stuff that's come out again this week, which we'd heard similar stuff at the start of the year. There's a bit of unrest in the playing group, and some guys have been moved on for that reason or attempted to be moved on. I know a lot of people in the media keep beating up that every couple of years they seem to be going through mini-rebuilds, but when you have character issues or problems within your squad, you kind of have to. It's not as simple as just going, oh, you've got the right players talent-wise right now, stick with it. It's very easy for media people to say that, but unless you know what's going on inside a club, like the Cartwright-Moylan thing happened for a reason as well. It was more off-field stuff. And the more recent moves on the more recent contracts and the ones they've moved on again for the somewhat, you know, rebuild is also, again, character, money, and issues along that line again. So Yeah, I, I can't <clears throat> argue with any of that, man. If you can't build or maintain good culture or cohesion, like, it, what, what other choice do you have? Particularly when there's guys there that go, I want to go. That's the other thing. Like, what are you going to do? Say no. And this is like the Brisbane argument all over again for people blowing up. And again, this week, everyone's laid the boot in. They've got no idea how bad are they going. Like, how many weeks is it going to take people to wake the fuck up and realise they don't have a spine? Mm. The young bloke that was playing did a good job for the time that he was in, did, but he's injured. 
yeah, I realise if he was back in the side, would they make the finals? I don't know. They've got a great young forward pack. They've yeah. done a bit of a rebuild, but the guys have let go didn't want to be there. Nikarima didn't want to play off the bench, which was the role he was going to get, and you can't blame him. Yep. Jordan Kahu, whether people like it or not, test player, yeah, okay, maybe a couple of years ago, average first grader. The only one I could argue with was Maguire. But the Maguire deal is handcuffed to the fact, as we said before, salary cap pressure. And people have forgotten about Jack Burton. And again, I go back to this. People are all laying into Seabold and Wayne Bennett's gone under the radar, all this, that and the other. But he was involved in the Boyd deal that's worth 800. He was the one who got Bird up there for 800. And he's the one who gave McCulloch part of his deal with the new board as well, which are all three contracts right now that are putting them in danger of losing players like Katoni Staggs and David DeFeo. So it's all real easy to lay the boot into Seabold because, again, the media paints this picture and suddenly he can't coach and he's the bad man. Yeah. But let's not forget what was done prior to him getting there. And especially, hopefully, I hope Broncos fans realise this as well because there hasn't been a whole lot of support for Seabold this year. And Again, he's been on some things. He hasn't been great in the media, etc. But I think those two have both inherited pretty difficult situations this year <clears throat> and also are being tarred probably a little bit unfairly given the way they got to their clubs, which, again, I can understand. Yeah. They probably didn't get to their right their two clubs, Ivan and Seabold, in the right way. But I, wrote, I actually time, wrote a column about all this sort of stuff for the P News on um, on Thursday, but mm. just about accountability mm. around that as well. Like who who's accountable? And you know, we're probably best off jumping into. Uh, we I think I think tackle one, and then I'll we sort of get into what I've written about and um, get into some of the discussions that we had earlier in the year. But let's let's jump yeah. in. As you say, anyone that joins us weekly, and hopefully we are getting new people weekly. If you're out there and you know anyone who loves their rugby league, keep sharing us, help us grow. Set of six to kick things off. So for me, a box head, our thoughts, any questions we have, statements, opinions, just anything we want to talk about. Number one, I think it's the most obvious one. It's been overdone the last couple of days, but we'll give you a spin on it and we're probably ahead of the curve on this anyway because we discussed this heavily throughout the year well before all the shit hit the fan. Mm. But the Newcastle debacle, which before we've even got here this afternoon, has changed again with Nathan Brown now leaving the club effective immediately uh, after the effort on the weekend, which cannot be blamed on the coach. That's on the players. They're the ones who... Flip the shit against the wall on the weekend, uh, even though they still had a chance to play finals and put in absolute zero effort. He basically went to Phil and he's handled it with class as he has the whole way. Uh, that is Nathan Brown and said, look, there's no confidence. I've asked the senior players on the weekend to give me a response over the weekend if they don't want me to be there. They didn't even have, you know, the guts to reply to him or let him know whether they felt which either way about it, uh, which I think, again, is quite poor, let alone the comments that were made by some of the players last week and... Now he's moved on. They've got the caretaker coach and Christian Wolf in there for the last couple of games of the year, and it's all but sealed that Adam O'Brien is going to be the coach moving forward next year. But all the other information that's come out since we spoke about this last week, what an absolute fucking disgrace. Um, excuse my language, just politics and the knifing and all the slimy business that's been going on in the background to basically push him out. And then again, I'm, I'm more disappointed in the playing group or some of the players, mm. not really naming names, but you know, it, I think it's pretty obvious for some of the people that should be supporting Brown that got them to the club or tried to build this club and they've just thrown him out on their ass as quick as, you know, they've got themselves inside. And I hate to say it, but after all the building, I think he's built a pretty decent roster and he's of course done a good job, in my opinion, rebuilding the pathway. But you, the question you've got to ask right away right now is, some of the guys that he brought in, taken over and already turned the toxic, uh, the, the culture toxic. Mm. That's a real question. Yeah, man. I, and I, the article sort of it that I led to was that where, where do you draw the line in terms of player accountability and coach accountability? And you look across the board and it just seems as though... Always the coach. We'll, we'll look apparently. at the two... Look at the, probably the two biggest examples this year, the Knights and the Titans. Both have played worse 
after their coach has been moved on. Yep. We've only got a small sample size of <clears throat> from Newcastle. Um, but, I, you know, we, we sort of – we went at it <laughs> earlier in the year, but I think the more and more that this goes on, the more and more you're proven correct. I, I think. Yeah, I, I think. It, it wasn't a matter of us being right or wrong. No, I know that. Opinions well, on I, was, I guess I've been a little bit vindicated in the fact that I thought that he should have – he's had enough time. But I, I, I really think that what's coming to the fore here is the fact that it's the playing group that's got the issue. Yeah. What what caused that issue, we're never going to know. Uh, whether it's just they, they're off him or they, they don't think that um, he can take him to the next level or well, whether they, there's they, been, they, a, been they, a blue or whether they, there could be a whole heap of different that, that things. That one for but, me, like the next level, like, fuck, you're in our all players. You've got five already. Yeah, like, and, and look, accountability you're in the top four. Like, you're in the top four. Yeah. So, uh, I don't, I mean, I don't get it. I, a lot of this, I think, this week, the administration has just... They've embarrassed themselves at Newcastle. Well, in, in particular, the two that have really bottled it, and then all this information's obviously come out, Troy Pezzett, who's the recruitment manager, which, again, probably shows how bad things are going and how this was handled, that the fact that he had the ear of Phil Gardner, the CEO, yeah. and they've basically run this whole thing Rambo-style on their own. And when Nathan Brown caught wind of it, Manned up as he done with the Jesse Ramey situation, which I had no problem with. He handled that face to face. He didn't go behind doors or call managers or whatever. Mm. He handled it face to face. He did the same thing here. He apparently went in and basically said it's me or him because he's undermining what I'm doing. And Phil Gardner stuck with him. And from all the reports you kind of get, and again, what you believe in the media or not is to be true that he's a great businessman, but he doesn't have much football sense. And he's kind of taken some favour out of Troy Pezzett to kind of help him out on that side of things. But the real loophole in this, which is to me surely going to cause some trouble within the club, they've got John Quayle, Brian Kennedy. Uh, as their GM, like other guys that didn't even know that anything that was happening or going on. Danny Badiris, like Paul Harrigan, these guys on an advisory board for the next coach and all these bits and pieces, and none of these people had a clue. So they've basically gone rogue off to the side here, got into the ear of a couple of players as well as the, the slur that's kind of gone out or been said that there's been some things kind of spread throughout the group and it's all just fallen back on Nathan Brown. Mm. But I think at the end of the day, if I was the board or Quayle or the members, whoever's bloody involved in how this is going to go down, Phil Gardner, regardless of how good he is with business and that side of things for me, would be removed from his role. And Pezzett, if it's found to be true that he's been involved in this and that they did a secret little side deal apparently where Gardner sent him to meet O'Brien underhandedly before all this got going, I'd probably show him the door as well. Anyone that's willing well, that's, to isn't that operate. That's the, uh, what is it? That, I guess that's the insinuation at the moment is that you know, two months ago or whatever, Brown went to Phil Garter and said, well, it's either me or him in terms of Pezzett. Uh And they're both still there. So I, I don't know whether they've tried to work this out amicably, whether they thought that Doesn't potentially like that the results would smother over it, because results do smother over things, whether people like it or not. When you're winning, these cracks aren't as big and there's not as much pressure on people's jobs but the Knights have just capitulated over the last six weeks and it now seems as though they've gone into self-protection mode and that's a really poor sign for any organisation. When you start to think about me and not we and not the organisation and not what is the best thing for the team, uh, I really, really think you get yourself into situations where uh, you make decisions that aren't necessarily best for the team. And you look at the, you know, all of those good organisations, the Patriots, the All Blacks, I guess the Storm closer to home, they all operate... Um, under a, a we mentality. They make decisions that are best for the team and they've got staff and uh, administration that are all doing their best and all working for what's best for the club. Uh, yeah. it's, it's when you get yourself into trouble when you have one or two selfish people or different factions conspiring against each other and 
uh, you know, my principal at school, he, he said to me 10 years ago when I first started coaching, he said, if you, if you think the opposition wears different coloured jerseys, you're sadly mistaken. Mm. And at the time, I didn't understand what he meant by that. But, you know, if you think mm. that your biggest opposition is outside your four walls and you're kidding yourself, a lot of the time, all of these clubs bring themselves undone, not their opposition. Because the, more often than not, the result happens during the week, and you know the Jack Gibson saying that you can't be, you know, you can't be a dickhead from uh, Monday to Saturday and then expect to be a champion on Sunday. Mm. And that goes for admin, that goes for everyone within the game, and the game is becoming so much about the the minimalization and the, the small things and the one percenters that you just can't afford to be operating below the uh, below the line. Well, you also can't afford to not follow the chain of command, as it happened in this situation. Yeah. I have people cutting and undermining people and leaving people out of loop, like the Roosters, the Melbourne Storms, these bigger clubs. Like they're, they're all run with an iron fist or ran properly from the top to down. And if anything goes wrong, it doesn't linger. It doesn't get to spread through like cancer. It gets cut out. You Correct. wouldn't even hear yeah. about it in the media. And I'm, pro- I'm sure there's plenty of staff in different roles and different clubs in these successful places over periods of time that you wouldn't even know in these people. And that's how it should stay. We shouldn't know... Anything about Troy Pleasant, unless you're a junior coach or someone who's dealing with them or a player, like you, you shouldn't be hearing these names. These people should just be doing their job. Yeah. But this week, instead, it's just turned an absolute shit fight. And I think the point you're going on about in these better run clubs is exactly what I'm getting at for Newcastle. So I don't know about how this all works with the advisory board and John Quayle and Brian Cannon, et cetera, and all that. But if surely in this situation they've got to look at this and go, all right, well, within the practices and in the framework of our club and how this should all have gone down or how mm. this all should have worked, like, We've got a problem if this is true and it needs to be handled. Like, forget the Brown thing. That's done. And then the other side of it now to hear that apparently, again, this is all speculation, but for the most part, it seems to be being proven quite true, whether you believe it or not. Didn't Ponga only just get a new manager? Or was that Latrell? That was Latrell, sorry. Yeah, it was Latrell. So Ponga's apparently with this Wade Rushton bloke. He's gone in to try and renegotiate before he's gone on holidays or something like that. And now because of this whole thing with Isaac Moses, which he's caused enough trouble at the Tigers previously, the Roosters have wiped him. Nick Politis has, and I'm pretty sure Tedesco's even changed away from him since that because he's basically got control of that situation. And now he's got massive control at the Broncos, which is a number of reasons why a couple of players got their contracts done first because they're also linked with a coach. He's almost trying to set himself up again with Phil Gardner, who clearly has no idea about how football clubs work when you're getting mm-hmm. into bed with a player manager with them telling Kalen Ponga basically that he needs to ditch his manager and apparently we're pushing him in the direction of Isaac Moses. And that's who O'Brien's linked with as well. Yeah. It's like, mate, do you... Do you uh, like, and even for Pezzett, if you're like a list manager, surely in a list manager's position, like you don't want to get into bed with one player manager either because then you get power. And I've heard this stuff, not mentioning names, but I've said this to you before about speaking to some guys I know that are at clubs and spoke to guys where... Managers have literally go to clubs and say, you can keep this guy, but this guy has to stay. Yeah, it happens all the time. And they package deals or they keep guys that our listeners out there or fans are probably looking at a guy and go, why the fuck did our club just re-sign that guy for yeah, one year because or because he was he's handcuffed to the superstar. It's because they put the superstar and go, guess what? If you don't do this, yeah. we'll just take him. Correct. And I've got two other guys here or you've got a junior and I've got these three guys and you sit like, I'll take all of them. Mm-hmm. Like they have so much power, it's not funny, but... This whole situation from the peasant thing to... And I'll tell you what the crazy part is. If the timeline is true, more than anything, eight weeks ago, they only just come off the winning streak and they're in the middle of origin. Yeah. So this drama was brewing before the losing streak even got going if you go off the date line, if it's true. So this shows a bigger problem that this was already cooking before the results went bad. So I'm, I'm more bothered by that. And I don't know about Brian Canavan or the board or Quayle and the advisors, but there's been some angry senior figures, Andrew Johns, etc., 
Uh, oh, and they've got every right to be fit. And, and I tell you what, they pull a lot of power, but surely something's got to be done there and got to be done fast. Yeah. Um, and I think the other side of it, and probably the last kind of point to finish on, didn't really get enough time last week because it all kind of happened on the day. The way that Pierce spoke, basically not supporting him at all, I thought just was deafening. I thought it was disgusting. Um, and I'm very disappointed because I've been a big advocate and supporter of Mitchell Pierce. But again, I, that, that really, really, I thought was disappointing. And the fact that the words, like, again, I don't know what happened behind the scenes or if there's an issue there other than anything else, but the, the one that was the worst of all was Caelan Ponga. And again, to sit there and be a smug prick, basically, and be, oh, you know, I was having a strawberry thick shake at the time, so I wasn't like all that sad. It's like, mate, this guy... It's As I said lost last week, he bent over backwards to go meet these guys. He had dinner with his family. Like he, he's the one who really pushed to pay overs at the time to take the risk on you. He let you play in the halves at the start of the year. Basically, did everything he could in his possible power to enable you to be the best possible player you can, and that's all you can return. And again, I, I'm not privy to anything else that would have happened during the time, but Brown doesn't strike me as the kind of bloke that would have done anything to wrong Caelan Ponger. It seems like, if anything, all the traffic's gone the other way, and they basically... Couldn't have been any more disrespectful last week. So in that sense, I already said that he wasn't worth $1.5 million giving playing ability, salary cap situation, everything else. But there's been some things this year to me, character issue-wise, as it's gone on further and just talking that I just don't like. Um, playing ability through the roof, no doubt about it. He could be one of the best, if not the best player in the game. And Is he worth probably a million dollars on his best day? 100% is. But $1.5 million and some of the stuff I'm hearing right now... If I'm Newcastle, I'm telling him that we're not the deal's not getting done right now. If he's got two he years to run, need to. you've yeah, been paid right. over. And if to do the deal, and if there was going to be any kind of extension, I'd like I'd be happy to add years, but it wouldn't be at one point five, and it won't be a four year extension. Couldn't agree more. So I think he needs to pull his fucking head back in as well. Yeah, start playing some football in this playing group. Like I said before, too many times we point the finger at the coaches. Like Mitchell Pierce, you got the monkey off your back, but who brought you to the club or really busted their ass? Johns and Brown, all these guys tried to bring you in. You've got Ponga there. You've got Clemmer there. Safidi's now an origin player. Barnett, Fitzgibbon, good core group. These kids coming through. Like, I know a lot of people don't agree with what Buzz says a lot of the time, but he basically, like, you may have a good roster, but it doesn't mean you have leaders. And a lot of people flipped out because it's Buzz and, oh, he's an idiot. He doesn't know he's talking about this, something, the other. But you know as damn well as I do. You can play with some of the most talented guys or some of the best teams necessarily weren't the best ones you played in. Yeah. One of the best teams I played in didn't have anywhere near. You know the most amount of talent in it. We just had a real tight knit group, and everybody took accountability for their actions, and everybody did more than they needed to in all senses of training on field and taking responsibility. And we busted our ass for each other. And then I played in other teams, or in one in particular, I won't mention, where we were stacked. We had all these Penrith reps. We had a gun side, and we barely made the finals. And it was for the exact reason we're talking about right there. Too many people had self interest and other things going on, and they didn't buy into what we should have been doing. Exactly right. But, all exactly. to sum this up, there's clearly a problem there at Newcastle. And if anything, I'm even more happier for Brown now, given my judgment of his character that he's got out of there uh, and handled it the way he has. And I'm sure whether it's England, NRL, assisted in consulting, something else, he'll get another job. He will get another job. But I'm glad, looking at what's going on right now, that he's got out of that toxic environment because he deserves much better than what he's received from the players. If it is, you know, Gardner, Pezzett, whatever else in the board, clearly doesn't know all this stuff that's going on. But I hope there's some repercussions or some changes that do come from the shit fight that's coming out of this play, uh, out of Newcastle in recent times. And I feel bad for their fans. Because for the last few years, I've tried to be so positive and upbeat and push the barrel the whole time. And I'm sure they've been waiting for the results and things to happen as well. 
and it's just all come crumbling down in a very short space of time again. So it's some worrying signs there. Hopefully O'Brien is the answer and things do stabilise. But again, rookie coach coming into an unstable situation, that's the main reason I think they need to resolve something in the back room right now. Yeah. Because if that's not resolved, they're going to have problems again probably in the next 12 to 18 months. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. What a shit fight. Yeah. But there you go. Anything else to add to that one? No, After my massive man. round. No, man. Fucking... We've, what, we've gone 20 minutes on it. So. Excellent. Tackle two. Uh, this one, again, a bit of a coaching situation, but the Bennett versus Seabold plus Demetrio, I guess, the whole game and that. Uh, I didn't have a big problem with it, honestly, during the week. I, like a lot of people, I think it added some spice and some bits and pieces. I just find it really funny, again, that everyone's like, Wayne Bennett didn't say a thing. If you don't think Wayne Bennett wasn't in the background, the old fox agitating this and probably feeding a couple of lines to the players or telling Demetrio to get on the front foot. The old puppet master just sat back and then what did he do when he walked in after? Everyone's like, he wasn't invested. He went into the dressing room and he was fucking dancing. That was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Yeah. Don't tell me that he didn't know what was going on. And he had the, the right smile during the week when they asked him about it. He was like, I don't know what he's talking about. I'm not even involved. Yeah, he like, knows. You know damn well what you've done, Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> you know damn well. Seabold, unfortunately, and we've uh, spoke about this before. Again, no question on his coaching ability, but personality-wise, media, this, that, and the other, he still needs to work on getting a bit of thicker skin because he, he does tend to bite too often and he feeds into a few bits and pieces and I think he'd just be better off not playing dumb like he did the first time when he's like, I've got to check my diary, this, that, and the other, but just flat bat it. Yeah. Just flat bat it. They're a good team. Respect for them. Coach, I enjoy my time there like he did there and just leave it. That's right. And even the Demetrius staff, like he said, he wants to call a truce and leave an eye on this, that, and the other, but then followed that after he finished with another comment that if it was one of his assistants he'd sack him and I was kind of like just you didn't need to finish with that comment you know yeah, just, relax. Right. yeah you're better off just letting it go so for his sake um, yeah on Demetrio's part do you have a problem with him coming out like I, I again have no doubt it was fueled by Wayne Bennett mm. so in general like if I was a head coach and I had an assistant go rogue would I have a problem but I have absolutely no doubt in this situation he didn't go rogue no no, 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 way. no, no, no. That was all orchestrated <laughs> very smartly. Yeah. Uh, I think probably the, the only real ugly part to come out of this game, I guess, is two guys that were moved on from Brisbane and the way they behaved during the game. James Roberts' elbow to the back of the head was absolute cockroach behaviour. That's fucking disgusting. Like Corey Oates is already partially knocked out or blanking out from the way he face-planted. And I don't go. I heard Freddie Fittler even say yesterday that he thought he, he didn't elbow him. He hit him with a muscly part of his arm. I don't give a fuck if it was his elbow or his forearm, that bloke is out cold, face first down, and was your former teammate not long ago. And you've done prison act in, in my eyes. Like, low as low can be, bloke face first in the ground. Whether it was full-blown king hit, if it ended up being like that, or a hammy, I don't care what it was. Like, that was just low. Yeah. That was low. And just probably sums up again why he'd been moved on from the Broncos. He thought he was better in the group. He didn't want to buy in. And I think just that action alone in that game, for me, justifies why he's not at the club anymore. Jaden Sewer, um, I thought the intent was I good. I couldn't believe he wasn't sent off. Roberts won. I'm with you. Because it, it was, was an intentional. It was low elbow to a defenceless player. Yep. And we've been talking about concussions and you know all that kind of bits and pieces, and then people were trying to defend it. The bloke was already. We having saw Kotrick sent off for what was an accident. That exactly, was deliberate. Yep. yep. I, I really think the difference between a sin bin and a send off should be accident. Deliberate. Yeah, and the, the level of the act like that. You talk about bad images for the game. Like, forget that fucking tackle. That's thuggery. I don't care yeah, how hard it was. Jaden Sewer, obviously a bit overzealous as well. 
apparently started real high regard at the start of the season. Couldn't kind of fit in or buy into the system, and he obviously went back with Wayne Bennett. Uh, I thought the intent was right when he came across for his shot and he got Glenn in the face, but when he followed up with the elbow as well, I just kind of thought again there, like two guys that are a bit overly frustrated and invested in the game, but full credit to South. They got yeah. the job done. Um, overall, it was a ripper game. I enjoyed all the build-up to it, but yeah. If you don't think the Fox old Fox was involved in orchestrating that, you're kidding yourself. And for Seabold, less talk the better. I just any of the media stuff. I think he just needs to be a bit better with all that. And yeah, I agree. Keep it low pro. Tackle three. The Penny Panthers none from two on their Queensland trip, and I dare say they're in big Barney rubble now. Season over. They're only a win out from the finals, but they run into the red hot Roosters this week. Um, they may have beat them during the year, and I know a lot of Panthers fans. Ran in a rave that we beat them, we beat South. Like, you got a lot of those guys during Origin, you had to win those games, so I'm not taking away from that. And that winning streak was fantastic, but when the results have mattered in more recent times, they've fallen short. And the other night wasn't that all impressive. And 0 from 2 in the week before, you know, completing almost 50% in the first half, and the ill discipline, and the errors, and the penalties, and struggles inside 20. And then again, the other night, I thought they had plenty of opportunities inside 20, and the errors were there, and the attack just wasn't there again. There's still some growth and I've said it multiple times this year that I think they've made a lot of progress given what he had to deal with when he got the club and the players they've turned over but I think it's been a real disappointing way to get to the back end of this win streak and the way they've handled some of these last couple of games that have been real clutch for them unfortunately um, I think there's been a couple of changes and there may be another debutante this week from memory uh, from what I saw on the team list earlier on but it would take a miracle now like Absolutely. Results would have to really go their way for them to be in a position to win last round and get in. It may be possible. The big thing that's working against them is for and against. Well, yeah. And that's the same for everyone bringing up the Bulldogs. And like, to get, if you're waiting for results and you've got terrible for and against in Newcastle, I think they're all highly in doubt. Penrith and the Tigers do have some chance, but the Tigers clearly have the better draw. Uh, and you're also relying on the guys in front of you to probably lose both their games because of the for and against situation. So. I think it's looking more likely that the Sharks are almost a lock. But, yeah, they've also got a difficult game this weekend against Canberra. And then they finish with the Tigers, who may be playing to get in. So every week we seem to think the picture's a bit more clear with those bottom spots, and it isn't. But, yeah, Penrith's last two games have been quite disappointing. Oh, they've... And then, again, like I said before, the stuff that's leaked. Murdered themselves. Yeah. Uh, that's probably the biggest thing. And, you know, Ivan's spoken about it all season, about the need for discipline and the need for the Panthers to hold the ball and just do the simple things right and, you know, I guess be or concentrate for long periods of a game. They just can't do it. No. And I still... Yeah, all you hear Gus say in the media is, oh, you know, they're, they're a young team, they're the youngest team in the NRL. Well, at some point, you've played enough footy to know what you need to be doing. Yeah. And right. they've regressed this year. I still think, you know... As much as it pains a lot of people to think, like Maloney and Cleary, clearly, I don't think it is working together. I know they've got the Origin Series done, they've played some good games together, but it's become more apparent, everyone spoke on it before, they seem to play better without one another mm-hmm. when they have complete control. But the two key areas for me that still don't get enough, Mitch Kenny's come and done an outstanding job as far as work rate, defence, all the rest of it, but there's no spark at dummy half. Like Nine's an area that has to be addressed to hold up the middle of the field, to manipulate markers, because inside 20, it's just dish. Inside defenders release straight away. Markers work across. They're still too sideways in their shapes, but a lot of that, again, comes off not being able to hold up the ruck. Dylan Edwards, has he completely flipped his year around? 100% from the way he started the year, but the overall ceiling is of him as a player, I still don't think it's going to be good enough to get what they need out of their fullback. No, so they're I, still two I, 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 I think Dallin's really proven Ivan wrong the way he's playing at the Bulldogs. I think 
he probably he has the only issue I have is the few games that he had at Penrith, and I guess maybe they were trying to push him because of the salary cap situation. Now may have motivated them a bit more. Now that we know about the drama, but yeah. I don't think he played with anywhere near that intent if he was challenged to at Penrith. So I'm happy he's doing well in the greener pastures, but I still think those two spots moving forward, they've got Luai obviously probably going to take that half spot. We said last week it's a great thing that Burton's emerged because that breeds competition, but I still think something needs to happen in the 9-on-1 spot moving forward. Uh, I've said it before, the young kid at Melbourne, Harry Grant, he's only signed up short term. A million clubs should have been sniffing around him, but no one seems to have, but... Yeah. There's got to be some move, move, mate. I'd approach Melbourne Earl managers for both him or Brandon Smith and just try and put some pressure on that club. Yeah. Uh, you know, Reese Robson was one that I liked. He's ended up going to the Cowboys. They've now got him. Ruben Cotter is another good young guy. There's not enough young nines out there. So when there no, is one, so therefore there, you shouldn't. One club shouldn't be that smart to be able to stack three. Well, or... that's the thing. Like you're looking at Melbourne going. They've got the Kiwi international backing up Cameron Smith, who's happy to play lock, and he may not want to leave. But when and Harry could, Grant's sitting there as well, I'm could like, be argued he's still the best player in the game. Mm. And when you're looking at Harry Grant, though, I'm like, he's clearly happy to develop for another 12 months, but how long? Yeah. So I'd be ringing the manager, I'd be inquiring, I'd be doing something because there's not enough nines getting around the game right now. No. And I think that's one area they could address. Fullback, same deal again. Like, there's plenty of good guys coming through, but they don't tick all the key aspects you want out of your one. There's only a handful of guys in the league and uh, you know that obviously tick those boxes. Your Tedesco's, your Tom Trovich's, Roger Tuivasa-Sheks. There's not a whole lot of complete fullbacks, but... Yeah, I think Edwards just lacks that ball-playing ability, that threat from the back, and all the pressure's put back on the halves. So, Cut, mate, yeah. Moving on from that one, tackle four, the dogs, the dream killers. It continues. The dream killers. Mate, four in a row. They've cost the Eels a shot at the top four. Cronulla, Penrith, Newcastle, and the Tigers, all in that logjam to get into the eight, have all been cost because the Bulldogs have stolen two points off them to continue this logjam. They're basically the reason this logjam exists. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Seuss who, again, the week before, in contention for top four. The results, depending on how they work out the next few weeks and for and against, with Manly winning this week in Canberra, they're all logged in on 30. But if they didn't drop that game, see us, they'd be sitting pretty probably in third. Only need one more win and they'd be safe. So the Bulldogs on their way in, like they haven't beaten nobody. They haven't beaten teams that are out of final contention. They've affected six teams directly for top four spots and to get in the eight. How good. Yep. And if Dean Pay said at the start of the year, like when everyone... Maybe the communication side of things I wasn't so happy with, but I don't know how you could really lay the boot into it with what he's dealing with. He's dealt with a difficult situation. They've got some young guys how, in. How do you? Yeah, they've flipped some contracts. They've been yeah. competitive in Cup. They've tried to rebuild their junior pass. Jake Avarillo's gone all the way from 18s last year to playing 20s right now. They took James Romanos, who was a gun player from the under-20 Sharks down at one last year, and they've stashed him. They're doing their absolute best given their situation. And the talk that they were already looking to replace him after 12 months to me seemed insane given what he was dished up. But you're looking at it now, they're almost 12 months away from being free of the cap situation. I think all these guys have played well above and beyond expectation. And it's easy to say, yeah, their season's over and everything's been white. That's fine. But they've beaten six teams, like I said, that are directly pushing for finals, involved in finals, or aiming for top four. And two years' worth of development. They've rolled a lot of halves in. They've rolled some forwards through. He's made them all accountable regardless. I, I don't know whether he could have managed any better. And again, I, I get that there was They some... were in an absolute shit fight at the start of the year. They were in a shit fight when he took over. Um, man. They, even when they were losing, even when they were sitting at the bottom of the ladder, they were playing much harder than the Titans. Yep. 
much harder than the Dragons. And the Dragons are beating, they're playing harder than a couple of teams yep. that are kind of sitting there. I think they're And now they're starting to bear some fruit and see some of the rewards of it. I love it. I, I think they're, they're, they're starting to push into a position where they deserve to finish the year Yep, and in terms of the ladder. And they're also probably just a spark throughout their group. Like you said, Dallin. Dallin seems to be in a real extra energy injection that was kind of needed for a Ford pack that struggled to get going forward and they weren't getting enough out of their back five and that one flicked there and his attitude which is then linked into Hoppawati and Remus Smith so then their back five get going which then gives that forward pack more confidence for a lot of guys that do toil your Jacksons I think Napa's had a pretty consistent year to finish off after a poor start Adam Elliott's an all effort player there's just a lot of guys they're digging in and the one guy who's flashed a lot of ability and we already saw it at Penrith was Harawu and I and in particular his connection with Kieran Foran but you know, you had Cogger do a job for a few weeks. He's been pushed out now for Lewis, who's doing a job. They've got Wakeham, who's only 19 years old, who's played some games. Sure, they've got some positions to fill, but they're going to have money, ample time, and they've got a couple of kids pushing through. Mm. And I've mentioned the back row a few times. Who's an Australian schoolboy, played ball this year, is already playing 20s in Jackson to Pine. Like, they're the ones you want to keep pushing through and just be smart with a salary cap. I think the Coruscant chase that's apparently on right now is a good idea for their situation. He'd be a massive upgrade at nine for them. Uh, Raymond, they're obviously keen on. I don't think that's going to happen. But if he's not keen to go there, you don't want it. That's exactly the difference right. in the past. You don't want to pay for people exactly that don't right. want to beat your club. So for them, I, if I'm a Bulldogs fan, I wouldn't be frustrated if they only got Chorus out or only got a couple more scraps this offseason. The development and the money that's about to come mm-hmm. and the decisions to be made, they've got a nice little base here right now. Uh, obviously, people are already calling that he needs to get extended again. I wouldn't go that far. I'd wait to see how the next year starts off. But if they get six to eight weeks in, things are looking good and they've got a couple of people on their radar that are willing to come, they've definitely got to sit down and think long-term about what are we doing. They can't go year to year. Yeah, man, I, he's I can't... Right now, can't leading him through the hardest part of the last two seasons. At some point, they're going to have to decide what they want to do. Yeah. So, full credit to the dogs. Just, yeah, great effort. Go the doggies. Tackle five. That log jam we talked about. Seventh and eighth is still open and a couple of teams outside... Uh, I'd be happy to just say, unfortunately, for the Bulldogs that I don't see all those results and for and against going their way. And for Newcastle, you know, they've got to win both games and things are going to go their way as well. Brisbane Sharks can't win again. Tigers, Panthers, for and against-wise, I've had a look, but I'm pretty sure they'll be pretty... So they'd have, a, they'd have to be a lot go the way of Newcastle and the Dogs. On the flip of that, though, Cronulla already been on 24. They play the Tigers last round. They've got Canberra this weekend, Gallons Farewell at Shark Park, which would be absolutely huge. Yeah, the Broncos play the Bulldogs, play Para, Penrith play the Roosters, then play Newcastle. I think it could come down to the last round, but the way it looks right now, I think this is the top eight. I think Sharks I will hold, right. and I think Brisbane can hold in, but I think Brisbane is maybe going to come down to the next week against the Bulldogs, who have been the dream killers. And if they lose both games somehow to Parramatta and to the Bulldogs the door will be open for the Panthers or Tigers if they can win one game mm-hmm. the Panthers definitely I can't see them winning this week but it may come down to beat Newcastle last round and they're the last game so well, they, Penrith, they're going to no, Penrith need to win both because they're falling against this dog shit well not if Brisbane don't win again because Brisbane are on 23 they okay. can skip them yeah, so okay. yeah. Yeah. They, they, providing that Newcastle don't finish on the same they will possibly get of to last round knowing that they have to win on Sunday because they're the last game of the regular season yeah right well, they'll, they'll at least know where they stand. And yeah. the Tigers may be in a similar spot. I'm pretty sure they're that Sunday afternoon, the game before, where they may be looking they are, with yeah. everything panned out before them, bar that game, and for and against, maybe saying, well, our for and against is better. If we roll the Sharks and push the Broncos out, it doesn't matter what happens with Penrith. So this weekend's obviously going to give us a clear-cut picture, but I honestly hope the results pan out that last round, those two games on the Sunday next week, matter. 
I'd love to think that Sharks, Tigers, Panthers, Newcastle is actually going to have an effect on two of those teams getting into the finals. Mm. So I'm not sure I want to sweat that long. Oof, I don't know what's going to happen, but we'll wait and see. And the last one, fifth and last on tour. We're on tour, all right? Weekend in Melbourne. What a good time. It was excellent, yeah. Went to the basketball on, uh, on Saturday. And then... Uh, Went to a pub in Melbourne called what was it called? The Turf Turf Sports Bar Turf on Queen Street. Sports Bar on Queen Street. If you've you're in Melbourne or you're a local of Melbourne, get along to the Turf Sports Bar. We're we're not getting anything out of this little plug. No, we just we're plugging because we loved it. Uh, they had pints of Super Dry. We watched. Uh, I reckon we probably drank ten pints of Super Dry each. Uh, we what did we watch? We we finished at um, basketball. The basketball. We went straight there. We watched the Tigers Knights game. We watched Roosters Dragons, and then we watched the Ashes, Ashes until about until lunch. Thirty or so. Yeah, and then uh, strolled along, got a double quarter pounder, a double whopper. Yep, and crashed out at an unknown, unspecified time Good in, the hotel, in the hotel room. But the main thing was we're in Melbourne. We know that most places shut AFL. We could have gone to the Cash, but they absolutely ream you money wise. So I said to yeah. you, let's Google a sports bar. Yeah. That. Hopefully shows everything, and this mob was great. They had TVs in every corner, different TVs, rooms, projectors, lists telling you what was going to be on each TV. So good. People were allowed to yell and actually carry on a bit in the pub and be like you are at a game. And it was like a, uh, it was like an Irish pub it was. or a European pub, but a sports bar. It was excellent. unbelievable. Food also, we got chili wedges. Yeah. Good times. Unbelievable. Uh, I think I told then, you it reminded me of London in that way. Like in yeah. London, you're allowed to. Yell at the TV and actually enjoy it. It like, reminded me of the Gales Club a little bit in Penrith. It actually was a bit like mm, the Gales Club. A little, little bit like the Gales Club. And then on Sunday, we went and watched my Titans lead your store mate nil, and then that was the end of the fun, <laughs> end of the fun for me. Uh, how good. And I can't remember who it was, but someone already inboxed us saying it may be a long trip. Like, it was 20 minutes in. Come on. Yeah. It was Melbourne versus the Titans. Was it 8 6 at half time? We might yeah. have let it half time. And we completed it at 50%. Yeah. If we played the Roosters, we That's would exactly have been right. At half time, I'm thinking. Yeah, exactly. Said so that to you when we stand there. We've completed it at 50%. Completed it 50% we Lead by Eight two. three penalty count Super. and you lead by two. Super. Good times. We should lead by 30. It was a good weekend. We'll have to throw one thing out there. Adam, our old mate from Poker Deluxe, what's going on with your Facebook? We tried yeah, to message you before the game and it had you bloody not existing. We're almost going to page him. Things not sending through. If, if I had a better idea what you look like, I would have went looking for you up in that area. But, mate, flick us an inbox if you still exist. On we got there a little bit late as well because I, I was still crook and I still am pretty crook. I'm on the mend. I've got some antibiotics. I've spent two, two weeks trying to... Shake it, and I went and saw the doctor yesterday, and she said you need two, you need a couple of days in bed. I said, well, that can't happen. Well, there's too much going Kid, on. So she work, said, well, 40. she said, well, just take these antibiotics, and it'll clear it up for you. So, well, you've partly passed um, it on, but I'm still fighting a good fight. Yeah, fight it. I've avoided. Go, it. Just go and get antibiotics no, straight away. I've avoided it two or three times with people at work, yourself, others. Yeah, and I'm hanging in, but yeah, I've had a, a couple of half cases of the snotties and blood and whatever else but I haven't got it yet so yeah but a cracker weekend I reckon that's going to be an annual trip for us maybe next year we go to the Goldie the GC get maybe loose. mind you Melbourne's too good you, you can't go wrong going to Melbourne I, I much prefer Melbourne than the Gold Coast and that's no offence to the Gold Coast I'll get myself in severe trouble I, I think, severe I think trouble more for our case. age now the Gold Coast isn't quite what it was when we were in our younger 20s because yeah. you'd probably go out and get a bit looser I think it's a bit more for the devil inside of you that, that man needs to die inside me. We're more pub people, so I think Melbourne's probably more to our style. Yeah. That and the casino. And Mind the you, the one thing about the Turf Sports Bar, we went to go back there on the Sunday and oh, I was shut. Close. So fuck you, Sports Bar. <laughs> <laughs> you let us down. Who closes on a Sunday? Yeah, I was a bit disappointed. It was like bloody... 
what you hear 20 years ago. It's, a day, of, it's a day yeah, of rest. Everything in Melbourne was bloody closed. Fuck, the only thing that was open was the casino. And it was pining for pumping. a uh, pining for a schooner. We wanted a super dry. And then we've gone to TGI Fridays or whatever and got absolutely reamed Oof. for dinner. Wow. Two burgers, 80 bucks. There was nothing open though, eh? There was shit. We had to go to that Melbourne Central. There's only like four things open. Yeah, no good. We walked around for ages like lost souls trying to find a feed. No good. Sober and hungry mm. on a Sunday night. Well, there you go. Huge set of six. Hopefully most things have been covered. Uh, unfortunately, I'm going to scrap fan questions again this week. Good. With Boxhead being crook and I'm picking up as well. So I apologise to everybody out there. There is a few, though, who have sent me inboxes for the last two weeks that I haven't replied to, I haven't said. So we'll answer those few. And then I promise next week people can absolutely unload. But I'm pretty sure... Really? If you've got anything that isn't covered, feel free to inbox me. I'll write back to you. But I'm pretty sure most things... I'll, I'll say this. I'm willing to compromise with the fans. The fans. I, I honestly think that we've got to somehow get to a system where we have the top 10. The top 10 fan we questions. Can. I think you can upvote on Facebook, can you? You can upvote a know. question. But I've said this to people before that message. Can you go through them all? I work. Yeah, it is difficult, but I don't and have time so, to But read. so do other people. I know. So they don't have time. But my point is when they put it in, like, and we get here and you've got your daughter and I get home late like I generally rush here sometimes not even showered yeah, I know that. and I do my prep like I don't have time unfortunately to siphon through 60, 70 things and no I totally agree sort it out, it's either so. that or you just got to go top 10 uh, or I'm, I'm going to have a look now and just see whether you can I'm pretty sure for example if you've put a question up and I come across your question and that's a question I wanted to ask or something similar I can upvote your comment so theoretically, we could then just say that the top 10 questions in terms uh, again, of votes are the ones I, I think asked. like you're saying, that I've said this before, I think fans a lot of the time don't on purpose fans? write the same question. I think they write it because they've got a moment of time and they see it's popped up and you can't blame them again. Like when 35-some uh, things are up, they're not going to read through all of them, are they? You can't blame them. Yeah. But yeah, been uh, busy two weeks and it's been a bit late and obviously both been crook, but I'll answer those few that have been lingering out there. Anything that's not covered in the show, like I've said a million times before. No, I can't. That, can't. I'm you can inbox us anytime you want, and I'll reply to you. I may not be on the show, but I'm always happy to type back. So is Boxhead. So when we get a chance, I always generally try to reply when I can. Yeah. So that'll happen here. But now, Power Rankings brought to you by the Penrith Solar Centre. There is none better. Award-winning service. They won the best trades and services business in the Penrith Business Awards this year, Boxhead. They keep kicking goals. They put four more staff on this week, Jake and the lads there. So he's just absolutely oh, he's killing gonna be, He's going to be a mid-sized business oh, I put another post up even the other day, and we had a couple more people. It was Wayne Stoneman, and I think, uh, was it Gary Stavrakis who put up? So a couple more pieces of people have invested in the system. Yeah, get amongst it. Tell you what, Jakey boy, might cost you a bit more next year. Ooh. Yeah, good. Classic. But well, what's good What's good for him is good for us, surely. But even more so, again. Let's um, you wanna... keep supporting Jakey. Uh, he's doing, well, I, I, I think he's keeping up with it, but I know that he's, as you said, he's, he's having an employee. More staff, that's always a good sign. So. He's doing a ripper job, though. Uh, Everyone's happy. Uh, and again, I, I work in this industry. I work on the government side and building the actual network of electricity. All I can say is it's not going to get any cheaper anytime soon. We've all got systems for a reason. So not only is this something we plug because obviously it's a sponsor, it's somebody that's close to us as well and we trust it and it's obviously a good business, but I think this is one of the smartest moves you can make with your house moving forward. Yeah. Um, it's a great move. But if you want to tackle rising power bills, head on this season, do it with the help of Solar Energy, the team at Penrose Solar Centre are passionate about helping Western Sydney sin bin rising electricity bills for good. Find out how Penrose Solar Centre can make you and your home and your family the big winners this season with quality solutions for your home. Visit www.penrosesolar.com.au or give them a call 1800 20 30 today. Good times. Power rankings, Brock, uh, number one. Same as last week for me, Roosters. Chookies. 
They've still got some players to come back, but they're ticking on very nicely. They're at five or six in a row now and a couple of absolute smash-ups, and they're barely even trying, but they're firing all cylinders. Storm, number two. Yeah, Storm. Clunky, couple of Storm. Uh, losses the last few weeks at home, but the yeah. win on the weekend. I think they're at a point now where they're almost waiting for the finals, but even more crazy... I've been calling for the Brody Croft thing to happen early and said it needed to happen earlier. This week he's been named in Jersey 19 and Hughes is named in 7. So mm. I don't know about the timing of all this and why it's happening right now. But I tell you what, if they want to experiment before the finals, this is the game to do it. They're playing Manly at Brookvale. Yeah. So if they want to be certain or confirm something, I think the, the whole theory of two better players in your side rather than one is a winner. Yeah, I agree. In the fact that, you know, there may be some parts of Hughes' game that aren't as good as Croft's, but on the flip side of that, I think Croft, not only is a seven at times, has been questionable with some of his decisions, but defensively on that edge has really hurt us. Mm. I thought on the weekend they were better on that edge defensively, and having Pappenhaus on the side gives us two players that I think make us a better all-round side rather than having him sit on the bench and be injected into the game randomly, yeah. which I have no problem with Bellamy doing, but at some point you've got to rip the band-aid off. That was more my, my opinion. Mm-hmm. and this week is obviously going to be their litmus test before the finals, whether this is the way they push forward. Number three, uh, I've bumped Manly up. Same. They've beaten the Raiders twice this year, and I had a look at it today. Bar the Roosters, they've got the best winning percentage against the teams that you could probably consider the top six this year. So I looked today at the teams in the Roosters, Storm, Manly, Canberra, South, and like Sharks and Eels, and how they've all played each other. Yeah. The Roosters have the highest winning percentage against those sides, no surprise. Yeah. They have 75% win streak, but the next best is Manly. Manly are 6-2 and two against those sides, and they're playing one of those teams you could sit up in that kind of top six or seven this weekend again in the Sharks, so they could possibly be 7-2. and two. And then when you flip it around and you look at the teams competing for the finals, I looked at someone like the Tigers, who when you started the season, you wouldn't have considered Manly and Parra probably to be those finals kind of sides, so you would have said their draw, as you always say to me, don't look at the draw, easier. But in the end, they've ended up playing 11 of these teams. There you go. And they've only won two of them, which That's is the reason why they're on the fringe of the finals right now. Mm. But, uh, you know, Canberra, and again, it's no knock on them, but I said last week they need to prove a bit more, and they did certainly prove it against Melbourne. But they're 3-7 and seven in these games against these bigger sides. And obviously, this last month has been ruthless. They've played Rooster Storm, bloody Manly now into Sharks well, go. all We're, in a row. Yeah, but they're also our top three power-ranked teams, so they've played them in the last three weeks straight. The, so. Yeah, the, the two highest winning percentages in all those teams clashing with one another are the Roosters and Manly. So in the big games right now, they're the two that seem to be getting the jobs done. Uh, I think Melbourne was five and four, but two of those losses came during or around the origin period. Yeah. So there was a few there that probably made it a bit of an anomaly, but no surprise to see that the Roosters had the highest winning percentage against those sides you'd probably consider the finals teams. But... Yeah, Manly, another good win on the weekend. I know it was clarified after from Graham Ennisley that the intercept was offside, but they turned up. They turned it into an absolute shit fight. They went into hostile territory. They did get the job done. Controversial somewhat, but I thought Canberra had their chances. Obviously, it's been a tough run playing all these top sides, but you know, I think that what really, really polarised that moment with the intercept try was Leilua using his knees for the second time and turning into an eight-point try. Poor. Should it have been called offside? Yes, if the touchy was doing his job, but they've missed it. Super unfortunate. Yeah, but the angle that I saw, Josh Hodgson had the ball in his hand and he was offside. That's that's not where the play of the ball started. No, the play of the ball is from when the dummy half picks it up and he's already taken two steps out, so technically. I, yeah, I know. Caught, again, I, I can, I can sympathise with the Raiders fans who are probably absolutely filthy, but it has been a hard month. But at the end of the day, my, my kind of sympathy went out because they missed the first set of knees that Leilua put in and then he dropped the second one. Oh, I've got no sympathy for the Raiders. Not in that game. 
So I, I thought no. there was lots of opportunity. They torched themselves, and they had a chance to win it at the end. They could theoretically have won all three of those games against the top three sides. They could. They bombed two of them. So and two of them at home. You're, you're a massive fan. Of, like you're a massive push for them as well. I still think they're. A I'm real still threat. a massive push yeah. for them because they've been in, in every game. Yeah. But they need again out of all those. But close again, games, it's just those little things that are still like haunting them a little bit, which is discipline, uh, goal kicking. Well, that's the sad thing with Leilua. We spoke about him being out. They were disciplined. They've cleaned that right up. And he's come back in and it's just a moment of madness from himself. But pretty much pushed him out to that two-score lead. And it was fantastic to see Ricky Stewart go in the press conference and say, well, I totally agree yeah. with Simeon. Because he's usually firing back the other way, but fair enough. Number four, Raiders. Uh, they did yeah, lose, Raiders, but yeah. I still leave him there. Number five, I've pumped South back up to that. So they they yeah. showed some spark on the weekend. They've still got some players to come back, but I want to see it again this week. Yeah, agree. Consistency. We've been waiting for a bit of spark and a bit of fire, and I know three right. Burgesses and Johnston, but I'm really, I really felt as though uh, Brisbane could have won that game multiple times. Oh, they could have if they had a halfback or someone that could take any control on their spine. I think they would have got the job done. Yeah, but full credit to see us. Six. I've left the Eels. It was a disappointing loss, but they've got themselves sitting there on an island. They're a couple of wins clear from the Sharks. Top yeah, four is probably yeah. out of the question now, but five and six get a home final this year, so they're likely going to be playing week one at Bank West, which is a big advantage. Yeah, for them. I've got the bottom three in, in latter order. I've got uh, yeah. sorry, Eels, Sharks, Broncos. And I finished sure the, same the same Sharks, Broncos. I'm very tempted to put the Tigers in, but it was more they probably have to win both their games because they're going to have a direct effect on it. They um, have to win both. And their again, games. the fact they played Newcastle, I'm taking nothing away because they were brilliant. They were ruthless. They overcame. Losing two hookers in a row, and everyone putting the pen through them, including myself, and they were great on the weekend. Mm. But yeah, I think they're obviously probably going to need to win both their games. Yeah. So, uh, no, no argument there. There you go. There's the power rankings from the weekend. Jumping to reviews of the games from the weekend. We start with the Eels, as you spoke about, and going down to the Dogs 12 6. And I am starting to sound like a broken record, but defensive resilience, scrambling, set starts, just all the little things in their game. But more particularly, the way Dallin starts things off, Hopawade's been huge off the back of it. Yeah, another blinder. Again, the other night, Remus gets on board. That gets that smaller forward pack going forward. They're pulling their weight. But the most impressive thing, and we've just said this week in, week out the last few weeks, defensive resilience, effort, energy, and scramble. I'm pretty sure Parramatta had three or four extra line breaks again. They offloaded 23 times, but the dogs just scrambled, busted their absolute asses off, and in particular inside 20, just relentless. Um, you know, Parramatta had opportunities, in particular Michael Sevo. He had three in a row in a 10-minute period there where a grubber kind of got away from him. He had another one that he muffed himself because he decided to put it in one hand and treat it like a tennis ball and fucking dropped it over the line after beating five people. Mm-hmm. And then he had the kick that he didn't quite get cleanly to bring back down. But I think they frustrated Parramatta. They frustrated South. And errors built up and frustration. And they obviously got Nathan Brown who blew his gasket and could, couldn't bring himself back in a line and I just thought they had them off tilt because they, they couldn't play how they wanted to. Yeah, Their halves couldn't have an effect on the game. They kept the nine out of it and yeah, I think as the game went on, they weren't even far behind but it's more that frustration factor, not scoreboard, but they just felt they couldn't do what they wanted to do with the ball and it got to them. It did. It did. They bombed a lot of tries. They, I think they lost patience. The Bulldogs just turned up everywhere in this game. Everywhere, and they thoroughly deserve their victory. Parramatta need to learn how to play left-handed. They, when the game goes their way, and they get the style of game and the conditions to suit, they're they're almost unstoppable. But when they hit a little bit of resilience and some adversity, and they get tested, and they need to go to a plan B, or they need to adapt on the run, they struggle. 
And until they learn how to do that, that's that's going to be the difference between them being a you know middle of the rung side, which they are at the moment, which can compete on every now and then with a top four side to being able to consistently compete at that top level and challenge for a premiership. Well, more importantly, again, if you're going to miss the top four, and we say this every year, you, you, you've, got, you've got to win all your way through. No one's done it. You look at a side like Parramatta and go, are they going to beat a Melbourne, a Manly, a South or a Roosters, which are probably going to be your three or four games or a Canberra? Like, mm-hmm. If you told me that to win three in a row, no. And that's the position they're in. But like you said, if you're going to be a threat from that bottom half, like if Manly fall in that bottom half, I think they are a genuine threat. If Raiders or South fall down and get all the troops back, I think they are a genuine threat from that way to go three in a row. Yeah. Well, they could do that. Eels right now, like you're saying, I think under adversity when things don't go their way, can still get a bit frustrated or just not turn up at all. And we've seen both sides of the spectrum. We've seen mm-hmm. them beat some good sides and we've seen them get absolutely pounded. We saw a six-week period there or whatever it was where it was finally very, very consistent. But then we have one of these games again that most people would sit there and look at the draw and go, well, they should win this game. And they bottled it. So, mm-hmm. unfortunate, but... Thought Jackson was great, Hopper Wide A, uh, and just all around. Like it's more a team thing right now for them. There's not so much individuals. Like there's individuals giving spark, but as a whole, defensively, I can't credit them enough for line speed, effort, scramble, just intent. Anytime they seem short, they get inside cover. They're jamming quite well. They're following in one another. Like just all the little effort areas, all the little things defensively, they're doing so so well. Yeah. For Para, uh, you know, like Mo's had a big month or so. You know, the big game, but four errors. Siva had some good moments. The shot on Darwin was huge, but again, he had four errors. He bombed a couple of tries. The halves, like I said, were kept out of it. It was just, it was a frustrating night if you're a power fan. And Nathan Brown, he's kind of the heartbeat of the one that glued that forward pack back together. And he's now going to be missing the next two weeks. So I know it really doesn't affect him because they've probably missed the four and they're going to be fifth or sixth, but still not what you want uh, two weeks out from the finals. Uh, maybe the rest isn't so bad for him that if, if they lose a bit of form over the next few weeks or go a bit astray, confidence-wise, it may affect them come the final, so let's mm-hmm. hope not. Cowboys-Panthers, 24-10. Um, pfft, the Cowboys have been patchy all year, as have the Panthers. I think they've played quite well over the last two months. Without luck, they haven't been able to close games out. Well, as relentless as a lot of people have been, I've, we've said it all year. The Tamalolo injury early, <laughs> the Barber situation, Morgan missing big patches. They've had basically... <laughs> haven't really gone through a patch there where they've had their whole side on the field. And even at this point in time, they're still missing guys. But like, obviously, things have got to change moving forward. Like we said, and it's a bit tired. And it's a bit, things have got to be rolled over a little bit. But it has been a hard year. Mm-hmm. It has been another hard year. And this week has been hard for them. Like the, the leak came out about Green and Morgan and having a couple of bevies at a, a function and things getting a bit steamy there. And maybe some of the players are a bit off him and he's, he's questioned some leadership. And then they had the... Really unfortunate situation with Matt Scott, which would have rattled a lot of the players. So uh, I'm more happy that they responded, given the tough year it's probably been for the fans, the club, um, and just some players in general that are on the way out. And in particular, like your Matt Scotts, who's retiring. That what happened to him last week was absolutely awful. And yeah, like they, they delivered. And there was a lot of games earlier where we kept saying, I think I said it after the Origin period, they're like seven and six or something like that, and they were right in the mix there with that 50-50 record, and they just they couldn't win a game. But earlier in the year, they had games as well in a similar vein. They were in a lot of games. That Manly game where they lost and they ran out interchanges. They had a Canberra game where they were right there. They blew it. They had South on the ropes when we tipped them you know, a month back or whatever that was, and they blew that game. Like, If you go back and reflect on their season as a whole, there's a lot of missed opportunities for the Cowboys. Yeah, There's been a lot of struggles, and they've had a lot of injuries and things to deal with, but there's been a lot of games they probably should have won. Uh, this one for the Panthers, again, was much like last week for me, just a reflection of a lack of patience inside 20, a lack of imagination. They need a nine, they need a one, 
and then just similar to Parramatta, like in the error and discipline kind of category, when they need to be patient or play themselves near a game where they get frustrated, things just go off the boil. They make errors, they give away penalties, you know, and it just kind of self-destruct that. A couple of try, no tries that were fair. I thought one was maybe a bit iffy. I thought the one where Gavin Cooper hit Campbell Gillard or bit in, they said that the inside man, Molo, was affected. I can kind of see both sides, but at the same time, the lead runner hit him into that defender, so I was kind of... Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A bit, you know, 50-50 on that because he didn't purposely run his line into that. Like, that defender had bit in and made contact with him to put him into that defender. But at the same time, at the end of the day, I thought the Cowboys were a much better side. Yeah, I thought that was a tough call. You know, Morgan uh, had a better game. Opacek's actually slowly grown on me over the year. I think Opacek's doing a pretty good job. And Kyle Felt, we said at the start of the year, was a huge out for them because they were really struggling in yardage. In particular, they could have had the big bodies of him and Nene McDonald, who's ended up getting fired. There's another one we've forgotten about. Mm-hmm. But felt since he's been back in, huge. And Tom Lowe, every time he's in the side, yeah. he's obviously the biggest difference maker to them full stop. Uh, for Penrith, I think their only real upsides, again, are young blokes like Toto, who had a massive game. Crichton got his second game, close to 200 metres, 20-something carries. They were very, very busy. Um, but yeah, I think it's just kind of hit that point in the year for them where... It's a bridge too far for this season. There's a lot of these young guys that have played five, ten or so games now, 15 games have been slowly leaking their way into it, and I think it's starting to take a toll. And off-season's going to be, you know, make those decisions, keep these young guys, get another pre-season under their belt, figure out who your new halves combination is going to be and how you push forward with the nine-on-one situation. And hopefully, drama free. And if there's any of the, more of this player unrest has come out this weekend about players punching well, each other's very, cars, yeah, or, very public, hasn't it? Yeah, somebody not being able to leave in a state with their partner not being happy. Like, there's a lot of stuff that's still coming out now after the fact that Ivan's had to deal with. So they need a clean run this off season and just to get some more time into these young blokes, figure out their cap situation, which is looking a lot better after a couple of players have been released, and figure out where they're pushing moving forward. Yeah, correct. So full credit to the Cowboys in this one. Uh, South Broncos what an absolute belter of a game 22-20 I think the, the biggest thing in this one obviously comes down to two sin bins and no points uh, for all that was well, good in the game a four point deficit yeah. I think uh, South won goals. those yeah with two penalty goals that that like the Melbourne game the week before which was the opposite way around obviously um, they obviously got to a lead but they bottled it and lost it but on the flip side this week Brisbane couldn't capitalise and they seem to play the opposite way of what you'd want to... You know, it, it, it looks like there's space or playing to the space, but they were too early to push off and shift when they were winning up the middle and getting quick play the balls. Like, if you kick the front door in, fucking go through the front door. Correct. And they didn't do that. And then with the forward pack they've got and Lodge, Haas and Offhand Gowie, all these guys just rattling one after the other, maybe you do eventually shift, but you once you kick the front door and like we've said, like, you go there two or three times and you make sure that front door stays down. Mm-hmm. And when they're absolutely rattled and you've got a dead marine in the ruck or two or three guys that can't retrieve or the line starts to tighten in to compensate for bodies that are getting caught, yeah. then you're looking to shift. And I know they're missing their spine at the moment, so I've defended them a little bit on that, but those two periods in particular, when they did have any dominance, they just absolutely shredded themselves. And it 
it's clear. It's not rocket science, and everyone keeps saying they're dumb at footy and they don't know what they're like. They don't have they don't have half. Boyd, yeah, could you put him at fullback? Yeah, but then you're taken away from what Milford's been doing. Everyone's been saying that he should be in the front line or playing seven or six and controlling the side. He never controlled the side. He more played second fiddle even when he was in the front line. The Boyd thing comes back to simply what we spoke about before, in my opinion, that moving forward, you keep all these guys, your stags, your feeders, everything they want to do. The two contracts that are... Three contracts that are really doing a disservice that weren't done by Seabold. Uh, Bird, who everyone's forgotten about because he's been injured two years in a row. Boyd and McCulloch. Yeah. The McCulloch deal's obviously got a one-year option, so he's going to be gone, but they can't spend that money just yet. Uh, and then on the flip side of that, the two big ones are the $800,000-plus deals you've got for Bird and Boyd, who have both got two years to run. Mm-hmm. Bird, apparently, in, by all reports, wants to go out to Sydney, but after two injuries, who's going to take it? Good luck, man. And the one place that really would have had any interest and they would have to pay part freight would be the Sharks, who now have a salary cap drama. Mm. So I think that really hurts them in that regard. And then Darius Boyd, whether they want him to but go where's or he not. Where's he going to play as well? Like, they've got centres, don't they? They do. They've got Sherry. They've got the best young centre in the game. And even if he did go back, they're talking to Ramian right now. And right now, exactly, after yeah. Bird's last two years, and Ramian, like, as long as Ramian's off-field stuff was more driven by his father and not him, which is all reports, I'd probably rather take Jesse back before I take Bird after the last two seasons. Mm-hmm. So they're in a difficult spot. And it's like, again, I'm not wiping Seabold clean of it because it's his situation to deal with. But anyone saying, oh, it's his fault and they're spending all this money. Like, these deals weren't done by Anthony Seabold. He's landed in this situation that we're talking about and Maguire moving on and looking at this now going, well, fuck, we need to work this out. That there's two pretty big roadblocks there that are holding up money that they really want to use to upgrade a Stags or to keep a David Fafina. And of all the ones to let go, like Haas is obviously a big one. If you told me right now it would have come down to Pungai Jr. or Fafita, I would have taken Fafita. Lodge or Fafita, I'd probably take Fafita again and stick with him and Haas. And the one that's in my head right now, and I know a lot of Broncos fans absolutely love him, but Corey Oates is apparently about to get a long-term extension and deal. I'm sorry, if he's getting five, dollars $600,000 and they can't have any wiggle room right there right now, if I need that, if that money could save Dave Vita from leaving the club, I'm saying bye bye to Corey Oates. Yeah, well, yeah, we we spoke about this on the plane, didn't we? Yeah, the other day. And, and I love Corey Oates, but if that money, you know, is sitting there right now, and that's your last kind of space you've got, plus whatever Dave's on right now, or you know, working in a couple of small contracts or putting a couple of minimum wage guys in the fine room to get the money together. If it's going to cost you Corey Oates right now, I think long term, I'd much rather have David Vita. I don't think that's an argument. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like there's, Oates, there's zero argument with me, man. Like, yeah, if you can't David move, Fafita scored two under 14 tries, essentially, he's in that game. 19 years old. He's big, powerful, dynamic, has both feet, both hands, both offloads. I've never seen a guy with that kind of hip explosion. Like, he gets into contact and there's bodies and he just kind of springs out or throws. He broke 17 tackles for Christ's sake. Yeah. He can play... He could play on the wing for Christ's sake. I'm that confident in the ability or how dynamic he is as an athlete Forget He's skill position, to, yeah. coaching, whatever else, from wing, centre, back row, middle. Like, there's no restraint on him. He is a premier athlete, a premier human being. Like, and he's 19. I like Corey Oates. I know he's only still 24, 25, whatever. But if it comes down to finding another winger to do your job, you can replace Corey Oates. Maybe not to the same extent, but for what you're going to get in a generational talent in David Vita, I'm happy to lose Corey Oates right now. Yep. If I can't get rid of Boyd and Bird. Hard decision needs to be made. Zero argument, my friend. Getting back to the actual game, though, for South, I think the real big deal here is without the Burgesses, they held up 
Uh, Liam Knight in particular, we said was going to be a key recruit. He had a massive game to Tolo. That's, that's his best game in first grade, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, he really held held his nerve. They got themselves through those tough periods. Uh, you know, they did a good job to contain. Obviously, not a whole lot wasn't thrown as far as the halves from the Brisbane side of things, but their spine came to the fore and they've been absent for a little bit now, but with opportunity, they found themselves in the game. Yeah, Damien right. Cook was dynamic. He jumped out, he probed, he cut through, he set one up, he scored one. He was absolutely rip-snorting best. I think Cody Walker's actually not been, been playing that bad. I think he's just been kind of pushed out of the line because of what happened after Origin, but I still think he's been running. Yeah, and, and also playing behind a forward pack, which isn't exactly. generating as much as what it was earlier in the year. So, But with opportunity the other night, when they were moving forward a bit, you know, he found a bit of space, and Reynolds is obviously playing injured. He had a couple of moments the other night, but that was the real reason they won. Their spine kicked him out to that little uh, nook that they got there and got him that little gap. I think the most disappointing thing for Brisbane is not only did they ruin themselves in that two twenty minute period, but they fought back. Mm-hmm. They had the short kickoff. They had the strip penalty. Gillette with the simple one-on-one. Sean O'Sullivan got Fafita isolated on Adam Reynolds twice. They fought their way back from 14 down and lost the game by two with an opportunity right there. I mean, Cook come up with that ripper saver on the other side. I think it was Siren and Murray. But you look at what they had to come back through in that game, but the fact they had 20 minutes there with a man short and they still can get the job done. Like, yeah. It's a real defining moment maybe in their season because yeah. that, that odd point again right now is either going to make or break them, that mm-hmm. Warriors draw from early in the year. So... Quite intriguing. The South, you finally saw a bit of life and that energy that we've been looking for. The thing is, can they continue it? And, you know, when's Tom back? Sam, maybe this week. Johnston, he's been named on the week this week. Like, they need to get all those guys back in before finals. And I, I'm still not sure whether they've got the energy or the fight to push on. There's no doubt they've got the talent with their best 17 to challenge. Mm-hmm. But it's just been, a, it hasn't been as apparent lately, I guess, the drive, the ability. The spark, it's kind of been lacking. But we saw some the other night. was just the contest because it was their ex-coach and Wayne Bennett and Brisbane and Yasuo and Roberts, which we've already talked about, that were, you know, pretty bad, in particular Roberts, which is a complete dog out. Like, was it just because of the occasion? I hope not. And I'm sure South fans will be rubbing their hands together praying that that's not the case either. They can still make top four, but four and against at this point may work against them, even if they do finish equal with a few teams. So, see what happens there. Sharks, Warriors, uh, to be, in all honesty, I barely watched this game and I didn't really need to. The Warriors, one of these well, teams... we were at the basketball. We didn't see a lot of this. We saw highlights and then watched some of the replay. I did watch a quick kind of thing of the replay, but there's not a whole lot to say. I think the biggest thing is disappointing for the Warriors. Like, again, the other week, they had that blip on the radar where they rolled manly and upset them, but bar that, three of the last four, they've been shellacked. There's a complete lack of effort and energy. Uh, their season's done and it's a bit of the same old story from the Warriors, just disappointment. Cronulla beat him any which way. Josh Dugan, again, seems to be playing much better football since Gordon lit that fire on his ass. They're back five, got him going. Muli Talo keeps showing some promising signs of why they've kept him. Sherry and his talent, like that, a field day. And then the thing that we spoke about before is that rotation. Mm-hmm. Start with Prime Woods, do your grunt work, and then Fafita with no strapping tape and no niggles that look like this week. Him and Ueli come on and just ran absolutely right. Mm-hmm. So I still think there's some positive signs there for them, but they're a bit similar to South. Like it's been real patchy. If they get in, I have no doubt they can be a danger. Oh, but, big time. You know, just week to week still at the moment with the Sharks, you don't know what you're going to get. I think big thing for them out of this game, they've been losing players kind of on and off here. Jack Williams, he's been great for them off the bench, got hurt this weekend. He has been great. So that, that might kind of hurt he has been forward. Great. So him and Fecky are both apparently going to be out. Get, but, like, how many of the best young players in the game have they got at Cronulla? They've got a few, don't they? Particularly, like I said, pushing through in Forwards. all different positions. You've got Nakora. Sherry, you've seen like little glimpses of bits and pieces there. Uwelly, Jack Williams, like they've done a real good job stocking up. 
Um, Braley, we've got to see a bit more of his brother next year. Yeah, Mulitalo, he's got a twin brother they've just re-signed as well. They've got a good crop coming through, there's no doubt about yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. What, what is she supposed to say about a team that's just a yearly disappointment and lost in all areas, particularly defensively? And I think the worst part for them, I think I heard Brad Fittler say, when the Warriors miss one tackle, they don't just miss one. It generally yeah. follows by four or five. Like, yeah. And I hate saying it again every week, but Roger, why did you stay? I applaud him for wanting to be the man that brings them a premiership and he fights tooth and nail and busts his ass every single week. But man, when he came off contract last time around, I thought, you know, <sighs> Melbourne let Billy Slater go and people are probably sitting there going, fuck you, Lewis, like for even thinking such a thing. But I was like, Melbourne, Billy Slater, whatever he's getting paid where he is would probably be similar to what they would have been paying Billy. Like, let's get Roger. We'll have Munster, Roger, like, let's push forward a new way. Obviously, we've got some guys there now, and I'm not complaining, but or just any, like, surely there was somewhere else that he looked at, talked to, but the Warriors. But my first thought when he came off contract was, surely he doesn't stay. Mm. Uh, bless him, and I hope it turns around, because if anyone deserves to win a premiership for what they give week in, week out, it's Roger. He has won a premiership, hasn't he? At the Roosters, yeah. but I mean at the Warriors. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And on his own bat with him leading yeah, in the yeah. front line. He can't do any more. He really can't. And honestly, like he was excellent last year, but I think he's been overshadowed this year from our, what we said about the Dalian thing. If you actually looked on pure, you know, pure play on him alone, I think he's had as good a season, if not better. Mm-hmm. But he's not going to go close to winning because they didn't have won enough games this year, and that affects the way you play. But on on his own bat every week, man, guy's a freak. Mm. He's an absolute freak. But Sharkies put themselves one step closer. Like we said, some really good performances there. Probably the crazy thing, and again. They only completed at 68%, but the Warriors missed 52 tackles. So they weren't even that crash hot, and they still blitzed them. And it was, again, an all-around thing. You can highlight players, but as a whole, they just chewed the arse out of them. Well, defence. 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 Defence wins games. Defence, defence, defence. Speaking of defence, the Tigers, 46-4 over Newcastle. (laughs) There was nothing positive for Newcastle. They were rolled easily up the guts. I think this was the highest metres per set average I saw all year. They averaged 58 metres a set, the Tigers, for the game. Um, if it wasn't embarrassing early enough when they were getting picked apart on the left by Luke Brooks while Benji was playing in at dummy half once they had the reshuffle later on after the HIA and got Reynolds on the field Benji started probing down the right hand side and they embarrassed Pierce on that side as well the other side of Lino and Metaudia got absolutely chewed up and spat out it wasn't any better like we said with Pierce Fitzgibbon and poor Bradman Best on his debut I thought really busted his ass coming out of yardage they just absolutely showed nothing on the weekend Um, and again I said this it's not a reflection of the coach it's a reflection of the playing group everything was let go they won the week yeah, you saw Brown at half time sort of I don't know what he's you could sort of yeah. see what he said he, he was like well, well boys I, I can't help you I can't do anything else like you got what you there's, no, there's no amount of words that I can say that are going to make you play any better yeah, you've got and what he you just wanted. walked away I, well what's the deal with belting the team up the Cowboys week before the 42 and then bottled this week when things all kind of panned out how you wanted apparently like the club's done what they've wanted the playing group basically wiped their hands off him and they dished that shit up with the finals on the line like forget the whole situation I don't understand the finals are on the line yeah I don't get it you've got a vulnerable Tiger side that have had every reason to probably roll over given Packer Madalino Reynolds like you know not even playing with a lot of their top 30 they've yep. lost two hookers the last couple of weeks and they just come out and beat the absolute shit out of them mm-hmm. um and again, it was one of these ones again where it was a whole team effort. Madison led from the front and off Loomis set starts in his year since he's come back in. He was absolutely huge and got that hat trick. Benji was electric. Um, the pass selection, the way he played, 
off the roll and they generated to the middle. Brooks obviously had his moments, ran for over 150 metres or something. Like, they just lit him up on all parts of the field. But it was really nice in particular to watch Benji just kind of look like a Benji of old somewhat with the confidence and the swagger and the way they pushed forward. Like, he pushed a couple of risky balls out there, but he was good. And on the back of what we said about a player like Ponga, if you're going to wipe the hands of someone to make the comments and demand that kind of money, you've got to back it up on the weekend. And instead... He came up with errors, poor decisions, got caught out of position and threw a shit intercept. So, yeah, and, and Pierce no different. Not really back in the coach. Didn't have a great game. None of them really had a great game. Mm. Uh, I just think, for if anything, you look at this one and I felt bad for the fans this week because the Brown situation was pretty much already done. He'd handled himself absolutely outstanding. To me, this was not a reflection of him. It was a reflection of the group. But for their fans, that must have been heartbreaking. It really must have been. Yeah. So. I, how, yeah. You go from one extreme to the other. You win by a mile and you get pumped by a mile. We just sat there dumbfounded. 13-0 at time, going, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. Let you down. Let you down. Yeah, man. Roosters-Dragons, again, doesn't need a whole lot. 28-0 at time. I think the Roosters, if anything, kind of pulled up in the second half. No Latrell, no Corden, no friend. Tokiaho rolled back in. But the first half was just, again, roll up field, do as you please. Mm-hmm. They punched him in the mouth on the right, going to Manu more so, laid a line, played back to the long side there. Billy Smith, the debutante, I've watched him play cup this year. He's been absolutely outstanding. He's going to be a guy that plays plenty of first grade, whether it's at the Roosters or elsewhere with the depth they've generated. Had no doubt that he'd have a good game. Cooper Cronk starting to find better form after a slow start to the season. Some of the kicks that he pulled out. The yardage work from Morris and Tupo. Their forward pack, you know, Toki being back in, Crichton again. Playing better games. Radley so much better when he's probing at third end. And Verrills has definitely shown that he's capable. But, like, the second half, yeah, they reckon Robinson was filthy. But what did you expect? Like, they were 28 nil up without barely trying. Yeah. Um, the few sets they had to absorb with the Dragons, they barely threw anything at them. Missing Hunt obviously hurt. Norman and the lot, like, they're just... They're another team to look at. And just I know there's been a lot of off-field stuff and a lot of drama and bits and pieces, but I'm dumbfounded a bit with them at this point. It was crazy, well, man. So. Two, two games in a row where teams just got jacked to start the game. Yeah. Billy Smith, like I said, great debut. And then Tristan Saylor, who probably couldn't have had a more longer, torturous wait almost six weeks now. Mm-hmm. 18th man, 18th man, 18th man. Finally got his game, and if anything, uh, I thought he actually played quite well. Yeah. And the one difference between Dufty, I guess, when he runs those sweeps lines, physically he's confident enough to straighten up and actually engage the line. Whereas you find Dufty, generally if he doesn't have space where he thinks he can burn on the outside or hit a gap, he'll generally crab or cut back in field and he kind of lacks that confidence physically to do that. Sailor proved on one of those sweep lines where he scored that try, cut back in, that he's got the physical ability to at least engage the line, ball play or run himself. So... Dorian talks apparently before that game to try and get him locked in and there's a lot of guys they've got question marks over in that top 30 and Millwood's as I said before to me he's got some questions to answer but he's one of the ones out of those 50-50s they weren't sure of or hadn't played yet that I wanted to see play I think they've made their mind up that if you're going to get rid of Dufty and then there was talk during the week which is more a rumour than anything that Zach Lomax was having a meal with uh, Madge McGuire like if he's going to be looking to walk himself out of the club they're going to need somebody to play fullback yeah, they're going to go from having a um, a bound of riches to scratching a little bit. Aren't I guess they? on the flip side, though, like attitude wise, like if Dufty doesn't fit in or doesn't buy, and then you got like Lomax, who we spoke about, like Lomax, no doubt from all the junior stuff, is one of the one of the best talents you're going to see. But he's made mistakes. He hasn't showed a whole lot of resilience. And like if he's dirty on getting dropped, but he also a few hasn't times got and... a lot of 
opportunity, really consistent opportunity, I don't think. I think he had a really good run there where they played him centre wing even after he had some bad games and then he played at fullback and he made five errors. Like, you've got yeah. to build some resilience. I know the club's not going so well that, but like, if that's enough for you after one season of playing for some first grade to you know, feel like you need to leave. I think the biggest thing with the Dragons at the moment is they're playing... They know Gareth Whittop's leaving and they're playing Corey Norman out of position... I'd be playing Gareth Widop at fullback if you're scratching for a fullback and you're not sure on what's going on and sticking Corey Norman and trying to build that combination with Hunt if that's where you're going to go next year. And Hunt's the other one. Like, you've definitely... I, I really don't understand. Now, particularly now you can't play finals. Uh, so for these last last two weeks, uh, I think you really, really should be trying to... Eat. Well, it's twofold. You need to, A, build combinations and, and number two... Look at the players that you you're thinking about. That you know they may play here, they may play there, they may not play. Trying to trying to answer some questions that you're going to pose to yourself over the off season and trying to make and your preseason a little bit a little bit easier. And they're not doing it at all. No, and they know there's a group of five or six that are moving on. There's a heap of fifty fifties that are off contract or are young guys that I'm sitting there looking at like Sailor yeah. and Lachlan Tim and like well even if you're not that confident, like why not find out? Unless there's something behind the scenes like we said the other week within the group or character we don't know about or just doesn't fit and they're not given a game for that reason that's a different story Yeah, we're not privy to that but if you've got them sitting there and you've bottled it this year like they have and they've got a lot of old guys all good your Lattimore's and that moving on play the young guys see what's in your squad because you've got some contract decisions to make yep. but yeah Roosters full credit name again another great win Tedesco if he's not a shoe in for the Dalian now I don't know who is yeah, another ripper game the other night. Scored a try, 200-plus, yeah. couple of assists. So he's next world at this point in time. Storm Titans, uh, I think we can sum this up pretty quickly as well. Melbourne, half-time, 50% completion rate, 8-3 penalty count. That was disgusting, but the score was only 8-6. Yeah. Second half, uh, you got angry pretty early, and rightfully so. The, the, the tries that they conceded, in particular, the, the link passes from the forwards was pretty poor. Yeah, Lack of line speed. Everyone ball watching, holding. It's uh, the same shit, man. They certainly teed off, as you pointed out, on Callum Watkins in yardage. They really gave him a workout defensively. They tested him out as well. NRL probably a bit different to how he's been used to playing. I think they identified him as a strong ball carrier out of yardage and tried to pin the Titans in because they rely heavily on their outside backs to get them out. Uh, Philip Sammy and Callum Watkins in particular, uh, and, and Brian Kelly to an extent. Brimson's Kelly had a bench. couple of... Oh. Uh, yeah, Kelly had a couple of... Nice carries, but probably wasn't consistent enough. And well, we've said the same thing about every week. You watch his game in attack, and you think, man, he's a strike weapon. But in defence, he's got some stuff to work on. And poor yeah. Callum Watkins, he got absolutely fed by Olam a couple of times. Like he got some shit ball into Olam's shoulder. Didn't matter where he went, Olam just absolutely treated him like luggage. He suitcase slammed him four yeah. or five times. But I honestly think Melbourne were really poor, and they won quite easily. Munster had a terrible first half. Smith had made a couple of errors, which uncharacteristic, but yeah. Yeah, second half, it didn't take a whole lot of effort. The shift try that Munster threw the cutout ball, they all jammed in. That was an easy one on the outside. The link pass, like we said, from the forwards was just all holding and sliding. Uh, it wasn't overly impressive, in honest opinion. It wasn't. It was crap. <clears throat> Melbourne definitely Melbourne got, crap. got some things to work on. That combination obviously changed this week. Resting Croft, which then this week we've seen him in Jersey 19. So They're he, not rested. Is he rested? Is he injured? I think they're just trying to play nice with it but that's definitely a litmus test there for the Titans and I don't mean that disrespectfully to Melbourne the scoreline I think flattered both sides I think it flattered flattered Melbourne in the first half and flattered the Gold Coast in the second half they should have probably put a bit more on in the second half in all honesty 
but yeah, they weren't great. I think the real positive, uh, the only really positive coming up this week, uh, Moiaki fight to Waco has been yeah, locked in yeah. for 2022. So that's a smart move. It is a good thing. I still want to know what the fuck's going on with AJ Brimson. <laughs> we heard the rumours about the Tigers sniffing around a year early and other bits and pieces, and suddenly they're playing him off the bench. Look, if that deal wasn't done or something's not already going on, I tell you what, they're not doing a whole lot to sell to AJ Brimson that he's a big part of the future right now. Mm. And I know we said it last week, you've got two assistants that are going to be lucky to even have jobs next year. If you're Mal Meninga or anyone in any position of power, my first question is, why the fuck's AJ Brimson not playing or starting? Yep. Halves, fullback, whatever. But his position to me is fullback moving forward. So if you want to finish the season, give Michael Gordon some games, I'm, I'm all for that. But that should be on the wing. Brimson should be playing the position you see him playing moving forward for your team. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. Last one. Manly Canberra. 15 penalties at halftime, 26 in total, stop start. It was messy, but I still enjoyed it. A lot of people carried on and thought it was a terrible game. and this, that, yeah, I loved it. Yeah, There was plenty of feeling. There was plenty of spite between the two. There was try savers. There was end-to-end football. There was some drama. Obviously, again, like a lot of people today are hanging on to the moment again that the offside was a bad thing. But then I look at the karma of the two sets and Ethan Leilua in particular, polarising in that moment where, yes, they were offside, but then he turned into the eight-pointer like, just to can kind of compound that. They had chances at the back end of the game to score but couldn't get it. Like, I... I just enjoyed it. I really did. And these are two good teams. These are two teams you're going to feature in the finals. And, yeah, I think Canberra certainly had ample opportunity inside 20, but Manly frustrated them. Manly, with that outside-in defense, playing up and in, playing really hard and fast, they kind of struggled to set their line and adjust their depth on some of their shapes. They cut back in. They were a bit clunky. Things broke down a few times for Canberra. They really tried to kill the ruck and make an absolute disgrace. So Hodgson couldn't have a big effect on the game. You saw Jack really take that on board when things broke down, that he just played his running game back to the middle, and he was outstanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he featured in a couple of big moments. He argued today that he thought, I think, that his first try he didn't think was a drop. I think he had downward pressure, but he did lose control of the ball. So there's that argument that we've had before kind of there, but I thought he lost it. Um, oh, he definitely he lost definitely it. Lost yeah, it definitely yeah. lost it. On that side, yeah, I thought him and Papali, huge. But for Manly, Manly is just... The little engine that could this year, I guess. And any adversity that's thrown their way, they lost Thompson and Sully in the first half. Already had to burn five interchanges and still went on. Mm-hmm. Fanil Blake, uh, hate him or love him. I know Don Ferner said yesterday his behaviour was poor, but it's like, well, you hired the guy on your own staff who alienated your own fans after a finals game. So for you to blow up and cry poor yeah. now, like, and it's not exactly out of character for Fanil Blake. Whether you like it or not, I'm not defending it, but he's done it at Newcastle. And I think the biggest thing is there's villains and there's heroes in the game and some people like to play it and we question and complain but they don't talk or they don't have any character or there's nothing like that going on but all I care about if I'm a coach is if you're going to carry on back it up and if anyone's backed it up this year I think he's been close like we said Papali's been great but Fanua Blake's football speaks for itself at the moment he's close to the best prop this season if not one of the top three and he was excellent again on the weekend would I personally want my player to do it no am I going to lose a lot of sleep over it if we're the wooden spooners I think we're blowing it up Oh, they, I think Ferner's kind of black, but I just kind of found it funny. Like, if you're that offended, like I said, you hired the guy that did the exact same thing yeah. on your staff. And on the flip side of that, and I heard Gallon a few say on the TV yesterday, like, you don't know what the crowd's been yelling and carrying all day, and apparently he caught an absolute pizzling at the ground. So mm. it's a tiny little moment where he rubbed his eyes. Yeah. Like, is it really that big a deal? I don't think it's a big deal. So I was a bit surprised. Um, sent a few people write some pretty questionable articles blowing it well out of proportion. <laughs> In particular, people bringing up his criminal past, from which was things that occurred over five years ago. So yeah. I thought that was a bit of a reach to try and get some, you know, 
but whatever. I, I think for Canberra, they lost no respect for me here. Like I said, they've had a really, really difficult month. Uh, you know, that call, I know they're all burning today that he was offside in that moment. But again, I just really think if you're a Canberra fan, if anything, really frustrated, that frustrated But then to see Leilua compound it, which dragged it out to that eight-point lead, which in the end they couldn't track back. But Jack White, what a year. What a year of growth. Uh, yeah, plenty of positives there for Canberra. And I've lost no respect for them. But for Manly, said it before, their record against these top sides is exceptional. They, they keep finding ways to win these games. Six and two, they've got one more of those games that I'd classify as a top game this week against Melbourne. Mm-hmm. They've overcome these injuries, they just keep fighting. So, uh, full credit to them. Yep, and there you go. Reviews wrapped up from the weekend. A couple of these questions that I quickly mentioned from before, box head. Yeah, uh, that I'll be looking at. We got one here in the inbox from Brandon, and he says, Good day, guys. Been supporting Newcastle since I was young. No particular reason. Love Joey Johns, Tahu Gidd, etc. He went up to witness his first crowd at the Hunter earlier this year and he thought the fans were absolutely disgusting. They were booing at absolutely everything that didn't go their way. The Facebook fan page for the Knights was just as bad. Admins always canning other teams. In contrast, he says the last few years he started to love Manly. He's been to their home ground. He loved it. Their Facebook page is much better. He's finding the people are much nicer. A few weeks ago when they played... He found himself jumping for joy for Manly 1, and he's asking, is it wrong to change your allegiance for the team that you go for? No, I, well, I don't think so. As long as you... I really think as long as you're a fan of the game, you can support whoever the hell you want if you're yeah. paying your cabbage. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Mate, I, I think, I again... I, for me, I, I like to pick and stick and, and ride, but... Uh, yeah, look at look at where my team's at at the moment. Well, it's, he brought up kind of before, like, you know, you transitioned. Obviously, you were a Freddie fan, and which kind of had you with the Roosters, and then you went to the Titans. Yeah, but, but I was more of a, of a kid. Like, I was a young yeah. adult then. Like, as an adult, I sort of made a decision that um, I was going to pick a team and just stick with that team. And the, the team that came in at that point in time was the Gold Coast. And what I liked there was there, there was no history. You could, no one could say to me, oh, you're a bandwagon fan, or you go... Yeah, yeah. Like, and I liked... You know the original players. I love Scott Prince. I love Matty Rogers. Love Preston Campbell. Love Luke Bailey. Love Anthony Lafranchi. Uh, you know, like I, it, like I like the Marcus area. Yeah. Yeah. So Kearney, Glenn Lazarus, there like was Scotty a lot Hill. of lot of things going for the club um, early doors. We're in a really really rough patch at the moment. Mm. You still uh, there? Yeah, I'm still support. I guess on the flip side, though, I, will I wore my, I will I wore my polo like, shirt on the weekend, and if there was bloody one bloke on the way out, grabbed me and. Yeah, he's like, oh, we're doing all right, bro. He's yeah. giving me plays the whole. Well, pretty positive first half, and I was yeah. looking, you know, looked at him and said, "Glass half full, glass half empty." Different, yeah, different, that's it. Yeah, different that's outcome. It. You guys are disappointed if you don't make a grand final. We're just we're happy if we compete for that's one right. half. That's I, I guess I'll put it this way for Brandon. I guess if all those other things that are encasing your club and the culture and the fit, like if that all makes you feel uncomfortable, I don't think there's any problem. Yeah, like if you've not lived in the area but you grew up watching those players and that's what brought you on, but now you've experienced it and the people around and this that they like if that all goes against how you feel I don't think there's a problem mm-hmm. it's different like you said if it's a bandwagon thing or you're a person who buys a new jersey every two years and hops on a winner but if it's for those kind of reasons that just don't sit well with you I don't really see a big problem with it yeah regular jades there's two quick questions do you think wrestling is bringing <laughs> uh, bringing wrestling into the game has made it better or worse for the viewer I have we improved our product well obviously a lot of people argue with you and say it's made the game worse I think it's just a what happens with the game in the professional age like everyone's looking for an edge everyone's looking for a different step I don't think this has still been well overblown it's been in the game as we heard last week and brought in even earlier than your Melbournes your Manleys and all these bits and pieces and until someone else comes up with a new trend uh, and co- sneezes so everyone else coughs like 
I think there's other things that have affected the game worse than wrestling. Mm-hmm. I think constant rule changes, overblowing the penalty thing, some of the sanitisation of the game are more for player safety, but I also think there's a lot of moves being made by the NRL to try and attract too many people that we, I'm not saying don't want to be part of our game, but I think we try to please too many people. I think, if anything, that's what's hurting the game uh, more than keeping your diehards around. And I'm, like I said, I'm all for player safety and changes that are necessary, but I think there's a lot of other stuff going on that is hurting Mm-hmm. You know, your purists of the game who aren't happy with the way things are going. Uh, and then number two, he says, what do you love most about rugby league? I guess probably linking back to all that stuff I just said, all the pure parts about it, a lot of stuff that's being pushed out of the game. They should be able to have physical aspects and there should be, uh, you know, flow and all sorts of bits and pieces and physicality and challenges and vert. Like, you, you can't sanitise it to a point where it's not rugby league. And I think, again, I'm all for player safety, but to an extent... It's all those things that drew me in. It's all those things I enjoyed. It's all those things I miss. Uh, you know, the physical challenges. The uh, you know, it's it's basically legalized violence. If you're yeah. going to put it any other way, like what? And ugh, I don't know. I don't even know how to put it into words. What don't I love about rugby league is probably the best way. What doesn't Lewis love from about rugby league? From coaching it, from watching it, from playing. There's all different ways I can put it to you. To even commentate it now, I love being around it. When we coach, I love being around the locker rooms. I still get all kinds of wrapped I, up. And you know, crazy I love uh, I love that it doesn't discriminate uh, from a socioeconomic perspective. That it's accessible to anyone everyone. and everyone. If you've got a pair of boots, you can play pretty much. Uh, and well, even if you don't have boots, you can play. Yeah. Uh, and then from there, I just love that the I guess the things that the game rewards. It rewards effort. Um, it rewards being a good teammate. It rewards uh, building good relationships with people. I think there's a lot of things that build successful rugby league players that flow on into further life. So uh, that, that's probably the thing that I like about it. I just love seeing, as a coach, I love being challenged. I love the challenge it poses each week. Um, I love working hard and trying to make my team better, whatever team that is that I'm coaching. But um, you just love seeing players get better. I just love being around love it. seeing from players a player, get from a coach. You love being part of that team environment, the group, working towards a common goal, the bonds you build out like this. Yeah. From all angles that we've been involved in, even now, like I said, I'm still crazy however long I'm without playing a game. Brock knows for a fact on game day that I still get a bit agitated, like being around it. Yeah. The whole feel of it, whether you're playing or a spectator, like the, the what's not to love? But probably the biggest part, again, when you get involved with a young and is your mates, the relationships you build, the team sport, everything around it. Like you accomplish everything as a group. Same now as a coach. You work as a group. You work with that group. You build bonds. You build relationships. You, you go through everything together. But like from a watching perspective and all that, I, I, I love everything about the game. Yeah. In particular, the physical aspects and the challenge side of it and laying down the goal are no different when we played. So there's not much not to like, in my opinion. Brett Sims. Should the Dogs be looking at Q Cup or under 20s or overseas for a hooker, front row, centre, etc.? Well, like any good recruiting or scouting department, they should be looking everywhere. Yeah, you know, everyone should be scaring under 16s, 18s, 20s, junior carnivals looking for the next best uh, up-and-coming talent in areas that they need. You should be trying to develop in your own area. Queensland Cup, New South Wales Cup, there's always guys that seem to be there that are late bloomers or dudes that are a year or two out of 20s that develop at a different rate or get the right coach. So overseas, we've seen how big good that's been for Ricky Stewart. Like, you should be looking at all those areas to answer the question quite broadly. Like, There's no specific one. Like yeah. that's, that's recruitment 101 and anyone who has a good panel or a good scout or people that bust their ass in that area, they should be pining over that stuff week in, week out. Yeah. I remember, and we've mentioned his name a lot of times, I need Dave Hamilton. He coached me under 20s in Canberra. He was also the recruitment gun that a lot of Raiders fans, he's responsible for a lot of the guys you have now. 
he found Jack White and he found Croker, Dugans, all the guys that have kind of been through there, Papalis, Milfords, who, like, he got a lot of those Brisbane guys that the Broncos missed out, and he was a gun. But you walk into his office, he had four, like, wall-sized whiteboards mm-hmm. of every group of football, country, New South Wales, New Zealand, Brisbane. He had every group, area, region you can think of, names, players, age groups, where they were, like, that's recruitment, scouting, like, 101. He had every possible area covered. Phone calls, tabs. Like, there's kids that would have been on that board two or three years after I left that he had tabs on. Mm. That's the kind of level that good recruiters or good scouts go to. So I hope that answers your question in that sense. Brett? Um, I think that was all I had out of those couple that I said from the other week, Boxhead. Yeah, nice. So there you go. That's a bit of a shorter one for this week. That's all sorted, but there you go. Moving on now to our tips and any gossip. There's not a whole lot this week other than basically what I said before. Uh, so tips from the weekend. Gossip, he strikes back. He got five. We both got three. He's now leading after being down the big dog. He's kidding himself. He's on top. 107. You're on 106. I'm on 105. So I've gone from leading majority of the year to now being at the back end of the pile. But it's tightening up at the right end of the year. And our tips and the odds brought to you by, you know who, the Pro Sports Syndicate. They got a couple of points back this week. 2% back up. Two more units. A profit on turnover of 1.16, 5.91. Last couple of weeks have been a little bit more difficult for him. I said those best bets they've been going quite good but I think in general this year it hasn't been great for punters uh, in the week to week sense I haven't had the greatest year either after a couple of really really good years the future yeah. stuff I'm still not looking too bad at but yeah actual week to week punting this year I found it much more difficult I think there's been more surprises than most people would anticipate but NFL and their college best bets package is back here now keep your eyes open for that that's available we love our NFL box head love our college football so there'll be some promos for that there'll be some betting promos and again Back end of the season, couple of weeks left, including the finals. If you're going to try out the package, now is the time to do it. Jump on for a month with the boys from the Pro Sports Syndicate. Give them a crack. See what you think. Uh, and, yeah, best bets last week, Brock. I went 0-2. Yeah. I had Raiders and Newcastle both to be 1-12 one, one games. Mm-hmm. Raiders lost and Newcastle got absolutely bloody embarrassed. Yourself, Penrith Newcastle, no dice, but you had a 13-plus multi of Storm, Roosters and Sharks, all 13-plus, which paid. Yeah, so, paid that paid a shitload. You would have done okay with that one. Paid last about week. six bucks. So, so hopefully some people got on. I, I'm I'm getting back close to even, man, with my bets. I've I've hit a couple of long long ones. A lot of my short ones have fallen over. What was my other one last week? Penner for Newcastle. Oh, just straight up. Fucking, they both lost. Mm. So did both of mine. So you don't feel too bad. But team list for this week and odds. Let's get into it. The first game of the round: Cowboys versus Bulldogs. As far as the Cowboys are concerned, they've known the same seventeen that won. Last week, uh, the only difference, Asiata and Morgan swapped jerseys. So Morgan is wearing the seven this week. Six, doesn't really matter. Scott Bolton will play in jersey 16 as Matt Scott's number eight has been retired for the last game up there at 1300 Small Stadium. Oh, that's that's excellent. So that's great by them. On the Bulldogs side of things, there's only one change for them. Remus Smith was suspended for that headbutt and uh, that frustrating moment in that Eels game. And Jade Nockenbore is back from that bad ankle or leg break that he had early in the year. I keep tipping against them. They've kept upsetting everyone week in, week out. And I've said, teams have got finals to play for. Teams have got finals to play for. You know what? The Cowboys don't have finals to play for. But given what's going on, given it's the last ever game at 1300 Smile Stadium, uh, honestly, on form, it'd be, it, I should be tipping the Bulldogs. Yeah. But purely off what's going on there, the closing of the stadium, the Matt Scott thing still. Like just, I'm going to back the Cowboys, but I don't expect this to be 
you know, a blowout. This would be very, very close again. It would surprise me if the Bulldogs won. I'm tipping purely on emotion. Oh, who you going? I'm going to go the Cowboys uh, in their last ever game. Yeah, I'll go Spurs. Cowboys. But that's basically on base enough. Realistically, off form, I would go the Bulldogs to frustrate them out of the game. Um, but they've been up for so many weeks now. I think they're going to come to a week, not where they play poorly, but maybe where a few things don't click or maybe they get edged out in one of their own tight battles. But we'll see what the Cowboys bring this week. And with the Pro Sports Syndicate, they're $1.72. They're $2.13 for the Bulldogs. Minus two is the line. One to 12 Cowboys, two eighty three thirty five for the Bulldogs. 13 plus for the Cowboys, three forty six dollars for the Bulldogs. Warriors and South first Friday night game over. At Mount Smart Stadium on the Warriors side of things. Nicarima goes back into the halves. Tanita, uh, Tavita Harris goes back to the bench. Ignatius Parsi moves back into prop for his 100th game. Lachlan Berg goes to the bench. Blake Ashford is out of the side. And for the Rabbitohs, they've named Sam Burgess, Alex Johnson, and Kyle Turner. Uh, whether they will play or not is a different story. So Tolo has been pushed back to the bench temporarily. We'll see what happens there. Johnson's been named on the wing. Gagai and Campbell Graham have moved into the centres. Corey Allen to the other wing, and Dewey has kept his spot at the back. So they're trying a new back line. He's obviously been happy with Dewey. I think Dewey's been playing quite well. Um, yeah, he has been. He's certainly filled his But given the fact that they've obviously lost Braden Burns and now James Roberts is suspended for his stupid act, they're about to readjust for a few weeks. Yeah. This is the way they've seen best fit. So we'll see how this pans out and if the bird dry play. And Ethan Lowe also returns. Uh, this one for me is purely that South are pushing for top four still. South. So I'll stick with South. Hopefully we see more of what we saw last week. Uh, but the Warriors, God knows what you're going to get. It's in New Zealand. You'd think they'd like to repay their home fans. I'm pretty sure last round they're not in New Zealand. I'd have to look that up to check. But if this is their last home game for the year, you'd probably expect a good effort. But South have got more playful, plain and simple. We're both on board there. And with the Pro Sports Syndicate, they're a dollar fifty favourite. South two sixty other Warriors minus five and a half the line. One to twelve South two ninety three eighty for the Warriors. Thirteen plus South two eighty five six fifty for the Warriors. Broncos Eels huge clash. For... Last round there in Canberra. There you go. Have fun so with it is that. their last <laughs> game. So if they're going to have a crack this weekend. Maybe the one uh, Friday night game should be a cracker. Yeah, Broncos Eels for the Broncos side of things. Seabold stuck with the same squad uh, from last week. Their extended bench though. Would there be much movement? I highly doubt it, but I tell you what, they've got another young kid on the bench in uh, Tessie New, who's only just turned 18 years old. He's been playing Queensland Cup this year. He's another one of these young talents that are coming through. They've got so many of those. For the Eels, some good news for them. Blake Ferguson, he's finally back. Takarengi goes back to the bench. In that case, Maradon Iacore comes in to start now. Nathan Brown has been suspended. Penny Tarapo's back in the side, and Tepo Morella is out. Hmm. This one is hard. I'd really like to tip. I'm going to tip Brisbane. I'd like to tip Brisbane. Right, again, close game. I'm going with the home team. Well, I did this last week and they burnt me in. I know, obviously, the big difference here is generally looking at the halves and who's probably got a better situation there. And I think mm-hmm. Moses has shown a lot this year. Dylan Brown's been pretty solid since he's come back in. Boyd had a Barry Crocker last week. Couldn't sum up a three-on-one through a couple of shit passes. Sullivan had some nice moments late, in particular the short plays that he put on to Reynolds, but just overall for the game, like, I think they can definitely match him in the forward pack. And we know that Parrish has been much better there this year and offloading being dynamic. Just, ugh, I don't know. That's... Well, can't, mate. It really bothers Make me. Right. Well, again, I'm just going to purely tip one off to the last few weeks. Teams that are playing, 
for something. Like, I'm not saying Parra aren't playing for something, but they're basically stuck in the position they're in now. Yeah, they are. They shouldn't be lacking any motivation, but Brisbane, after last week's tough, tough close loss, they need to find something this week to make sure they're going to be playing finals football because they're still at risk. The Sharks look pretty safe, but Brisbane aren't safe just yet. And the Bulldogs' last round won't be a pushover either. So I'm going to probably tip in the next two weeks, to be honest, but they need this more than Parra. Yeah. Ferguson, those are huge in. And if they're outsiders and the odds that we look at here, I'd definitely be looking that at if you're a putter. And with the Pro Sports Syndicate, guess what? $2.30 for the Eels. So I like that value. That's pretty good. Brisbane, $1.63, minus 2.5, 1 to 12 Broncos, two eighty. $3.35 for the Eels. 13 plus for the Broncos. $3.46 for the Eels. And from memory, was it Bank West where they absolutely got pumped early in the year? Eels blew them off the park when we watched that game. It's like 40 point shellacking. Mm. I'm pretty sure the Eels lit them up. They did. Yeah, I think they did. Yeah. They got real ugly. Newcastle Titans. This was looking like Spoon Bowl early in the year. And Newcastle obviously dragged themselves out of the hole and the Titans haven't been able to. But I tell you what, if they play anything like they did last week. Well, Titans, I said Titans will win a game before the end of the year. They've got Newcastle and then St. George, I think, last round. So yeah, well, they're, they're a chance of winning both of them. But I'm going to tip, um, I'll be, it's old boys day. Yeah, I was about to say. So, they've stuck with the same seven and Connor Watson comes back in, who I think has been excellent for them this year. And Brown's now gone. Yeah. So Old boys day is the big sticking point. They owe it to their fans. They really to do. the fiends. To the fiends, they are. They've got to show something, mate. It's been an absolute up, mess, the way this has all been handled from the management. Just shows the lack of footy sense, Brock, mate. Does, mate. Yeah, for the Titans, Jarrett Wallace, he moves back into the starting lineup. Prop arrow goes to lock. Pete shifts to hooker after Mitch Ramos suspended for that lifting tackle. Will Matthews is on the bench. Ash Taylor's in the reserves. I thought they wiped him for the year. <laughs> Start, All right, we'll stay away from that one. But old boys day should be enough for them. And the odds with the Pro Sports Syndicate: a dollar twenty-six for the Knights, three eighty for the Titans, minus nine and a half the line. One to twelve Knights, three dollars four seventy-five for the Titans. Thirteen plus the Knights, two dollars twenty-nine dollars for the Titans. Storm Eagles, five thirty at Brookvale. Oh well, this is a game I'd actually like to go to at Brookvale at some point, just because I hate each other so much. But Generally, the timing hasn't worked out. This weekend is unfortunately not going to work out either, but this should be a cracker. Manly, they've lost Joel Thompson, potentially for the season. That's huge. Broken arm. They said four to six weeks first, but now they're saying it could possibly be eight weeks, depending, which is massive. He's been awesome this year for them. Uh, wow. Uh, Curtis Searing comes back, luckily for them, so that helps. Jack Kazuski keeps his place on the other edge or the same edge because he's now... Obviously, played the last couple of weeks. He's done good. Brad Park has been included in the reserves, but he may not play. And they reckon Moses Suley, who's been named, is likely to play this week. But they've obviously got replacements there in the reserves, if need be, in Tavita Funa, who can play in that position. Obviously, Brad Parker, if he's healthy. If not, they'll find another way to reshuffle, you'd assume. But Melbourne, Will Chambers back after missing last week. Curtis Scott goes back to the reserves. Brody Croft is named in the reserves. As we said, they've gone with Hughes. And Tino, a big Tino, is now back on the bench in place of Tui. Everything to me says I shouldn't tip Melbourne because it's at Brookvale, the way they've been playing and the way things uh, you know, have been. Generally, when they play each other there, it's generally a manly thing. But with Thompson missing a couple of big weeks for them and, again, the upset in Golden Point the other week, I'm going to back the Storm to hopefully come back to form uh, and go against the grain. But it's going to be very difficult and it wouldn't surprise me again if the value here is for Manly. I'd probably Storm. Well, I think they want revenge after the loss. I thought similar, but the mm. outsiders and good value, 
Manly with a Pro Sports Syndicate. $2.12, Melbourne, $1.72. Minus one and a half is the line. One to 12, I like in this game. If you like Manly, $3.15. If you like the Storm, $2.80. 13 plus for Manly is $5.25, $4 for the Storm. Roosters, Panthers, uh, it's not going to get any more difficult to keep your season alive than playing the Roosters. There's just one change. Oh, Latrell Mitchell, that's just a small inclusion. Not. Billy Smith goes to the reserves. Boyd Corner's in the reserves, but realistically, they don't need to push him in this week. If he's not ready to go, sit him for another week. For the Panthers, Moses Laird starts a prop. Fisher-Harris goes back to lock. Isaiah Yo is out of the side. Jerome Lillard returns after an eye injury on the bench. And also, another debutant, Billy Burns, is debuting on the bench this week. He's a former New South Wales on the 20s back row. Yeah. Been playing some cup. Uh, again, I guess in their position, much like we said about some other teams, if you're not sure about finals or you've got some guys you're pushing out, like why not blood them? Get him in, get him some game time, and there's no more difficult way to debut, I guess, if you're Billy Burns this week. But I think this is pretty obvious, Brock. Sure is. Both on the Chooks and yep. the Pro Sports Syndicate agree. A dollar twenty, four sixty for the Panthers, minus twelve and a half the line, one to twelve Chooks, two ninety five fifty for the Panthers, thirteen plus for the Roosters, a dollar ninety, thirteen dollars for the Panthers. Sharks Raiders, this would be another game. That would be awesome to go to. Gallon's last game at the prison. I reckon it'll get pretty buck wild. Mm. And these two clashing the last few times had plenty of spite. There was plenty of drama earlier in the year again when Johnson couldn't kick his goals and the way that game ended. For the Sharks side of things, Fecky, he's out with a groin injury. Sigani Katoa comes in to replace him. And Bakuya comes on the bench for Jack Williams. For the Raiders, J.L.A. Lewis suspended. Kotrick goes back into the centres. Bailey Simpson onto the wing. And the new man on the bench is Saliva. Harvilly. What do you reckon? Can they win in Gallon's last game? Or can the Raiders get back to winning ways? I think Jack Williams off the bench does hurt, and they've still been a bit patchy. But this kind of has all the feel to me of an absolute just pr- prison, game, prison yeah. ambush. And it's the 2 o'clock game, which probably suits the Raiders, if anything. Yeah, I'm going to go the Raiders. I, I want to see, see Cronulla prove it and beat a top full side. <sighs> I'm going to do it. The prison, it gets me every time. Honestly, I still think they've been way too patchy, and I think Jack Williams being out in Fecky does hurt. But the, all the emotion and the swell around this game, the way they lost last time, at this point in time, I definitely think Canberra's a better side. But I think the whole occasion, daylight footy, everything that's going to be... And, and is it in my recollection, are they closing the stadium there next year to start the redevelopment? Well, I've got no idea. So man. I think this is the last game as well. Because aren't they playing at Cogra next year to redevelop? Shark Park with this new thing and the club and everything that's going on I think that's happening next year no idea, so th- I think this may be the last game at Shark Park anyone correct me if I'm wrong but I'm pretty sure the other week when they were talking about all this work they're going to be doing mm. and this redevelopment the club and the ground are going to be basically Dunskies yeah, as sure of next year onwards until it's done so purely again on emotion and all these things and looking to book themselves in I'll stick with the Sharks but I can understand where you're coming from in the last one of the round Oh, I should probably do the odds first, shouldn't I? With the Pro Sports Syndicate, $2 for the Sharkies, $1.80 for the Raiders, minus one and a half is the line. One to 12 for the Sharks, three fifteen, two eighty for the Raiders, five twenty-five is 13 plus for the Sharks and $4 for the Raiders. And the last game of the round, Dragons versus the Tigers. The Tigers looked dead and buried last week and they bounced back the Dragons. There wasn't a whole lot more signs of life. And for them this week, Pat Cafusi, he's back in the side. Jacob Host is out. Ben Hunt is in the reserves. Will he be back from concussion? We don't know. And Tristan Saylor, he's held his spot at fullback after a solid debut last week. 
for the Tigers, Mike McGuire. He keeps the same 17 from last week. Josh Reynolds has been named to start a hooker, but there's a good chance that he will go back to the bench like last week. Eisenhuth to start. And they said Madison to hooker, but Benji obviously started there, mm. which, you know, he did a side enough job. But, again, there's nothing that can get me to tip the Dragons the way things have been going so far. Yeah, nothing's going to change this week with West having so much to play for. So. Yeah, West. Both on Wests. And the odds of the Pro Sports Syndicate, they're a seventy-five favourite, 205 for the Dragons, minus two the line, one to 12 Tigers, 283.20 for the Dragons, 13 plus for the Tigers, 370, 5.75 for the Dragons. And that's us done for another week, Box. But bets, what are you thinking? Show me some odds, my friend. Show me some odds. Let's have a look, shall we? What do we got? Scroll up. Let's let's work our way down. I am scrolling up. Cowboys, dogs. Yeah, I'm not betting on that game. Uh, South Warriors, no. dollar fifty to sixty. Parramatta outsiders against the Broncos. No. Titans heavy outsiders to the Knights. You get a start there. Manly outsiders at home to the Storm. Roosters playing against the Pennies. Um, I'll go. I'll go two two bets this week. I'll go Melbourne one to twelve. And I'll go Campbell one to twelve. Both top four sides win close ones away. In Canberra, well, I'm going to go the opposite on one of those. I'm going to go the Sharks one to twelve to finish up at Shark Park. Hmm. And then on the flip side of that. So they don't have. They probably won't have try scorers up yet, will they? They never have these this week. We know how much I. You know how much I love betting on these. Some of my favourites, the old anytime try scorer. Oh, I can do a same game multi. That'll give me the idea. Basically, Penrith and the way they've been playing. Uh, Latrell Mitchell back in this week. He's been scoring an absolute mozzar. Their left side's super dangerous. If there's a try-win combo, which you'll find on some sites, and particularly for me, I bet with Ladbrokes, they give you boosted odds. Like, a couple of weeks ago, I got three bucks. Bronson Cherry, I've had the last couple of weeks at 350. It's been ridiculous. The trial Mitchell on the weekend before he pulled out was still 250 against the Dragons, and they were like a dollar ten. Yeah. So I'm going to go Latrell try-win again. If it's anything over two dollars, lay in. There you go. There you go for another week from us here. Let's have one last quick look. Obviously didn't put up, like I said, any fan questions this week. Um, but next week we'll get back and have a big decent one before the last round kicks off Boxhead. And then during the finals, obviously, we have a bit less going on and probably a bit more space there to answer some stuff. But, yeah, moving in to next season, I guess, we try and come up with a more refined way. And, um, yeah, I think for the most part, though, most weeks, even when we don't answer a lot of people, generally the amount... We talk, and we do talk a fair bit. I think we cover most things. Yeah. Even when people do. do ask questions, so all good. But there's another week for the fifth and last NRL podcast for everybody out there. We are getting awfully close to the finals. For you Newcastle fans out there, fingers crossed, the team can show a bit of fight this week at Old Boys Day. couple of absolute cracker matchups in particular. Sharkies, last game for Gal there, and I think maybe possibly the stadium against the Raiders. That's a potential finals head-to-head match there. Brookvale, anyone that's a Manly or a Storm fan, get that one. That should be an absolute belter as well. Looking forward to watching those two in particular. 
And then all these other sides we spoke of. Can the Tigers keep themselves alive? Can the Panthers somehow upset the Roosters? I'm not 100% sure. I highly doubt it. Uh, the Broncos keep winning their way through. Can the results go in the way of the Bulldogs? We don't know. But we'll find out after the weekend. Still some twists and turns in the top four. You know, Raiders, Manly, South, they're still jockeying to get themselves in there. The only thing we do know as of certainty is one and two. Mm. That is the only thing we do right now. And the wooden spoon, unfortunately, for your Voxhead. That's about the only things we do now. Super. So there you go. Rate, review us on iTunes. Share us with any rugby league lovers. Most importantly for now, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.